0: Welcome to The Blackout Show, presented by The Guillain Grader, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts.
1: Justin, bro, is Dylan Cease going to be the next Chris Sale for us, man?
2: Uh, What do you mean? Like, is he going to be a 300 strikeout pitcher?
1: Well, I mean, he's a freaking Cy Young candidate that might be taking us into a retooling, and we might have to trade him again, man.
2: So, let me give you a fucking list of the players that is worth my ace, Dylan Cease. Let's just say we send him to st louis i want nolan arenado paul goldschmidt tyler o'neill and nolan gorman back that's just to start the conversation i don't think there's any player in the major leagues that i would rather have on the roster than dylan sees now let me remind you people i am a homer i am a homer gonzo is what type of packages do you want to see uh when it comes to moving Dylan C's, if we go down that road,
1: well, quite frankly, I ain't ready to go down that route because there's no.
2: Yes, sir. But yeah,
1: I just like my boy Jonathan's saying right now, there is no package I'm even touching with Dylan C's. Pause. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. too early. It's We're too three early, Three and a half minutes that. in the show.
2: <laughs> three and a half minutes.
1: All right. Well, let's be honest, man. All right. Give Last time me. we we just mentioned Chris Sale, sent him out the door, he goes and wins a World Series, and we got back Michael Kopeck, Yoan Moncada, yes, and Luis BSB. <sighs> BSP's not even here anymore. Um, Kopech, oof. he You're shoved today. He shoved today, right? <laughs> Last year he burned out at ninety oh. innings, but. He's looking better, you know, this year and this start than he did. And he needs to start previously this season. Yes. I'm hoping that he continues with this because we at least need him to doing what he's doing, eating up innings like he did today. Um, but then, yeah, then you have Johan Mancada, who, my gosh, that's a, it's a roller coaster, man. I mean, the guy was, the last two years, you were like, what happened to him? You know, it was not 2019 anymore. And. He goes to the Winter you know, or, yeah, the Winter Classic. He goes to the World Baseball Classic, was on fire. I could call it the Winter Classic. <laughs> should have called it the Winter Classic. <laughs> and then he starts the regular season on fire. Probably the only reason why we stayed competitive in that series in Houston and at home versus the Giants. But, uh, yeah, then he has his back spasms and he's out. And uh, now we're looking at this situation with maybe a potential retooling. Granted, the White Sox have just won back-to-back on walk-offs. So, uh, hey, you better not let these boys get hot, all right? Because I was nearly in depression over the weekend um, thinking about retooling. But uh, we're going to get back to this whole retool situation because – I don't really want to think anymore about it. Until you are later. when you opened
2: up the show with trading me and your favorite player. Like <laughs> Gonzo, me and you, we're the same type of fan. We hold unconditional optimism in regards to our socks. You open our podcast with Is it time to trade Dylan? Is Dylan T's gonna be like Chris Dale? Like, you're the reason my anxiety flares up. Yeah. You know that?
1: Yeah, no, I know that. And uh I think it also is well known that we got two starts of him potentially coming up here this week. So hopefully, our boy gets on top of it and continues to shove, and we don't even have to think about trading him. And uh, that leads us to Griffold's Grounds. Ooh. Doo-doo-doo. Damn,
2: Gonzo, you snuck up on me there. Sneaky. We're good. Wait, okay. before we get into Griffold's Grounds, I just want to let everybody know. We're going to prepare every night to kick your ass. And this is Griffo's Grounds.
0: You know, I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a, you know, on a, on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, on, you know, on whatever our team needs at this particular moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: All right, everybody, this is Grove Falls Grounds. Clearly, we're going to break down everything Pedro this, um, from this past week, and we're going to start it off from tonight. And ladies and gentlemen, it was a one nothing game. You know, they take Kopech out. Oh, boy. Hit Eloy hits a two-run bomb, and we have a 2-1 <laughs> lead going into the eighth. Next thing you know, Alex Colome. It was one of 11 guys that, from the roster changes that they made. He brings him up in a setup role situation into the eighth, straight from Charlotte. What, what, the first
2: fucking at-bat, Gonzo. <laughs> the first guy he sees, Nick <laughs> Gordon, oh, takes man. him fucking deep in right center field. I'm talking about deep. Now, Eloy, in a previous frame, hit a two-run shot. It was was, was a little cheapy. It was probably the first two rows in left center field. The nuke that Gordon hit off Colomay, that was a bomb, Gondel.
1: Yeah. That was a bomb. And, uh, yeah, that was a tied ball game. And going into that inning, I forgot to to even mention, but they didn't even talk really about it either during the game, but Hansier Alberto, another one of those 11 guys that was brought up, was substituted for Jake Berger at third base. And I'll remind you, yes, Juan, why is he our setup man in this situation? Why? You didn't even use Lopez or Graveman yet. But, uh, I going think Lo- back.
2: Lopez has one, like, uh, he has an arm issue right now. The yeah.
1: yeah, so Lopez is not available, but you still have Graveman. I guess you're going to save him for the ninth, then, but you still – Decide to bring in Colum in that situation. I mean, at least he's like Santos or Middleton at that point, but uh, I don't know, man. That was just... Anyways, back to Hanser. Hanser Alberto comes in the situation to take over for Drake Berger at third base defensively, which earlier in the season in Pittsburgh, this is the same guy that led to two injuries of our White Sox. The exact reason why... Timmy was wound up on a disabled list from that situation that he caused at third base, and then he, <laughs> he almost nearly got Sebby Savala injured at, on that throw to the plate that put the, um, you know Cruz into that situation on that collision with Sebby. I should say three people get injured because Cruz has that fractured ankle or whatever. Yeah, and ended his his season. But then again, that's his dumbass for that slide that he pulled. Well, regardless, you have two injured guys that he caused defensive um, with his defensive liability at third base and nearly cost us two games also earlier in the year. Justin, why does this make any sense?
2: Well, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And I'm going to go to baseball. Savant, look at fucking Jake Berger's field and metrics this year. Now, uh, optically, Jake Berger is not the most polished third baseman. But he's getting outs right now. Why would you sacrifice his offensive ceiling to get the same or less defensive production from Hans or Alberto? It doesn't make any fucking sense to me, Gonzo. You made a sideways move. Uh, Hans or Alberto ain't locking the game down defensively like Jake Berger could basically bust this bitch open like a pinata. Alberto ain't doing that. So it was an unnecessary move with the yeah. with the with the theory of putting yourself in position to be better defensively. You know what helps your defense? Insurance runs.
1: <laughs> and why would you take Burger's Bad. out of the lineup when you need anyway, insurance runs?
2: You got all you got all these losers on White Sox Twitter asking why is your best your already your best hitter batting eighth. Now you're getting your your best hitter taken out of the lineup for hanser Alberto.
1: And a <laughs> a in a tight game, going on. late, into the ball game.
2: You've been doing some really good things, well, uh, Pedro Gual oh, for seven innings straight. Then you put in Colome, and you assume to fix it by pulling Jake Berger.
1: Okay. And Jonathan, to be honest with you, like we get it. You, you know, we can blame a lot of things on the players, but we're talking strictly the truth. Jonathan strictly, Gavalli. we're talking strictly on Pedro at the moment. We'll get to the the ball club here shortly, but. Yeah, you don't do that in a situation like that because next thing you know, it's bottom of the ninth, two outs, and you got Alberto at the plate.
2: Now uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the East Coast. The New York Yankees find themselves batting Aaron Hicks with the game on the line every night. That is not best practice. The White Sox are on their way to Yankeeville with this Alberto late and in and shit. Hmm. It's sick. Terrible.
1: Absolutely terrible, dude. That's just it's frustrating because then also later on into that inning, first off, with to get to be in bases loaded, you had Robert that just got on base, runners at the corners with Billy at third, Robert at first, one out. This guy, right, on that hole at bat, didn't even make it to second base. Infield was playing in. They're giving you second base. So They're giving you a already, stolen base. You should already be at second base. And there was that short pop-up into just barely past the infield going into center field to get that second out. Luckily, there was a walk on that next at bat to load the bases. But still, and then, yeah, Alberto, you know, ends that ninth inning. and you go into extras. And at that point, we're just praying somehow the Sox pull this off, right? Somehow. Yeah.
3: Jimmy Lambert,
1: Jimmy Lambert and extras, not even Graveman. So he'd even use, you know, in the saving situation. And then he given, usually that savers coming out and extras with the California wrote the Runner on second. Yeah. But he, he's holding Graveman. You can go, maybe he's holding him from tomorrow because you're going to have a battle with Cease on the mound. So, but regardless, you got to win now. I'm just surprised that, you know, we see Graveman out there and. He brings out Jimmy Lambert, but hey, listen, you got to give Jimmy Lambert credit here. Guy went one, two, three in that inning, although Buckson almost smashed one on him, and that almost gave me a heart attack on the couch right back here. Yeah. But uh, wow, how they got out of that, unbelievable. Um, in that situation, you're like, all right, we got to win this game, right? I mean, gosh, and Timmy going 0 for 4 today, but hey. It's all right. Timmy's making his way slowly back. He, then, he's exempt tonight. He's exempt tonight. And then you got Andrew Benintendi getting a lot of hate lately on that $15 million contract. But We're talking uh,
2: to you, Jason Spencer.
1: <laughs> um, hey, Jason, Dre, welcome to the chat. Um, but Benintendi walks it off down the left field line. Back to back nights with walk offs. So, even though Graffal really was testing us today on decisions during the game, and we listened to that bats during the game early on were terrible versus Ryan, not even patient at bats. It, it was pathetic. One nothing game. So, yes, we can blame a lot of players on their at bats early in the game, but hey, they took momentum from yesterday and they continued to battle through that game. Yeah. And uh, they won it. In, you know, and extras. So ultimately with t- today's game, can't, you know, put so much blame on anyone. Cause at the end of the day, we got back to back victories that my friends is a winning streak. Justin, we got finally got a winning streak. It's May 2nd, but we're finally on a two game back to back winning streak. Isaac Ian, our legend of this network. He's taking clothes off. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll see if there's any more articles of clothing you know, on them tomorrow. Man, I don't know. Yeah, that's going to a little too hot. But <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go back. We're going to go back f- into this past weekend um, with Tampa Bay. Oh, and yes, my fucking God, bro. Yeah, me and Justin were there th- last Thursday's game. That was a shit show. Yeah. But uh, let's take it back because.
2: It was a good time with you and Ray. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah, you know it was a great time, but we have to go back into this past weekend because first off, Saturday, hey, Justin, Ozzie, Ian Jr., he was right. The first player that was held accountable was Luis Robert Luis Jr. Jr. called it a month ago. He said this kid's going to be the first accountability act that we're going to see, and he was mm-hmm. right. He was absolutely right, and it was. Well, what, he, oh yeah, that's right. He had a bobbler on the infield and did not run it off down the, you know, the first base line. Was thrown out. If he did hustle, he probably he might have been able to beat it. To be honest with you, because maybe. You know, the guy took his time on his throw, and it was the throw was a bit off. But uh, if
2: if Luis Robert was running normal, Gonzo, that's a yeah. base hit one hundred percent of the time.
1: One hundred percent and uh yeah Grafal takes him out of the game and the announcers are trying to figure out what happened to robert cuz they were trying to say it was a tight hammy mm-hmm. since, since he had a you know incident the day before and then after the game and the presser and this is where you got you got to wonder right you know pedro's trying to cover his players behind close you know in front of the media and it's probably going at them behind closed doors. Yeah. But in the situation when you're trying to kick ass, you know, Justin, you know, we're gonna go out there and kick ass. We're gonna prepare every day. We're gonna prepare every night. To kick, and to ass. kick your ass. And the post And the post game conference, you're just gonna allow it to be going with the injury path, you know. His legs were
2: sore from practice.
1: Come on. The night
2: before.
1: Come on, man. We got to get out there. We got to put him on blast. Yeah. Because like Junior said, we haven't held anyone accountable. Man, let me tell not you, only me that, you, that, me that, you. Not only that, but we haven't me held accountable. him accountable since he's gotten up to the big leagues.
2: Thank you. That's the. It started from the beginning. There was no accountability from Jump Street. Mind you, I was raised off of the Cal Ripken days, the John Olerud days, the, the motherfuckers that don't call off, no vacation days in the major leagues. Luis Robert is hot-dogging it while he's in the lineup. Yeah. Like, your coach is basically lying to the media and the fans just to protect you, and you show him up right after. The very next time you have a chance to step on a baseball field, you ham, you hot-dog. That's a slap in the face. And then the most disgusting part of it all, Gonzo, was this man sat up here and act like he don't know who the hell Charlie Montoya is. Are you kidding me, Luis Robert? Are you really this serious right now? There's no way. Maybe if Charlie Montoya spent most of his time on fucking TikTok, you would understand who he is. Or if you look to your left or your right on the bench, because if you keep playing, you're going to sit there a little bit longer than you would want to. It was an unserious center fielder in ADH Jersey, Gonzo Saturday, and I'm glad. I'm glad Pedro sat him down. But I don't even know if that's going to – does Luis Robert know where he went wrong? Like no. you're To start the game off, you're swinging at the first pitch cutter that's six inches below your knees at 90 miles per hour. So we could basically say that's a breaking ball why are you why is that giving getting your first pass to start the game? It wasn't even a strike. That strike that's the first one. Do you think he went back to understood that part of the game? No. You think he was in the fucking video room? No.
1: Man. And then yeah, we go. It
2: to- sucks. It sucks, Gonzo, because we like, we like Pantheta. We like like him. He's a very good player. But at the end of the day, when you're going to sit up here and tell me you don't know who the second most important player, uh, coach on your staff is. What?
1: Yeah. Come on, man. And then you go to Friday's Friday's game, the game after we were there and that we finally this is kudos. Okay. We got to give kudos to Pedro, right? Remind you Thursday's game, me and Justin were there. They get blown out 12-3. to 3. And you know what happens that very next day? Vaughn blasts one, right? He gets the boys going. Very next pitch of that next batter, ball's high and tight. The players are still celebrating. And if you, anyone in the chat watching this, you can check out John Boy's video because he finally did a breakdown of it. It was good. But uh, players are still celebrating. And then they realize, oh, shit, our dude just got plunked, plunked. And then right away, home play umpire calls time, walks out there, starts giving everyone warnings, right? And then he turns around, and Pedro's already shouting, blew! come on now, give us a chance. Give us a chance. And he starts yelling. That's the first time we ever saw any sort of motion.
2: I mean, if you if you watch the video, you could you could clearly hear like Pedro Grafal just irately in the umpire's face. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Like he said about eight times in a row. Usually if I see a human being doing that, that means uh you guessed it. They don't give a fuck. I think uh Pedro Grafal was trying to get thrown out of the game. He was trying to set a standard to the umpires, like I'll just be I'll be uh this account uh, accountability animal even not just towards my players but to you too cuz we all got a job to do and we all got to be uh professional it was prime storytelling jason you're absolutely right gonzo painted a beautiful picture uh it was a beautiful sight to see uh to see pedro come up out the dugout like that it reminds me of uh tlr a little bit when he was going to save uh, old trusty back in the day but I mean, it's just it's just one ejection. I'm not gonna hold too much weight onto it, to be honest with you. Uh, it was only Luis Robert getting thrown at. It wasn't nobody important, so could be worse. Like if he would have throw if he was throwing at Moncada like that, I would have rushed the field. And uh, Vision, you brought up a great point. If Pedro Grafal was uh, Pe- uh, Tim Anderson, he would have got fucking suspended in a heartbeat. Yeah. Matter of fact, I don't think anybody's calling Pedro Griffal Jackie. I think look, if you look at him, I, like, do a compare and contrast, Pedro Griffal is like the opposite of Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call Gonzo and tell him he's mute on the show. Hold
1: on one second. Yeah, one second. Um, Pause really quick on Pedro because I totally forgot – Um. We totally forgot. This. We had 11-man roster change, right? Mm-hmm. Oscar Colas. Oh, sent, fuck. Sent down to AAA, right? And you can imagine Pedro is probably fighting for Oscar to make the roster, right? And we all know rookies are, you know, their first time in the league. They're, it's going to go one way or the other. They're going you know, to start off hot, or they're going to have that first drought and they're going to have to make their adjustments, right? Yeah. Would you think that Pedro Grafau is fighting to keep Oscar on the roster instead of Haisley? Mm. Not anymore. Because if it was me, I'm fighting. I'd rather see Oscar make – you have the best coaching staff that we've seen. Granted, the players haven't been – they've been struggling, right? But as far as on the baseball sentiment – part of the game you have the best coaching staff that we've probably seen in years right so I'd want to see Oscar Colas learning under this staff than down in Charlotte granted he can get his he can get his confidence built up right down there in Charlotte in the boom box but when he gets brought up again back from Charlotte and has to face these MLB ready these MLB pitchers they're gonna go right at him again they're gonna yeah, go right so- at him with his this- his weaknesses he got go it, back if, to struggle? It's not
2: a, it's not an Oscar Colas issue. It's a whole it's a White Sox lineup issue. Look at my boy Tristan Casas in Boston. He's hitting one fucking thirty eight. That's mm-hmm. but they can hide him in a lineup because everybody else was an OPS monster for the Red Sox yeah. with this lineup and the sense of urgency. You can't afford for Oscar Colas to you know hit you swing you out of innings. Like it's it's a it's a smaller margin for error for the White Sox. The White Sox can't afford to give him 400 play at bats, especially if he's fucking the, basically the worst player on the team.
1: But we still have Hazley here now. Yeah, well, I mean, so I Haisley's, think if you're, gonna, back if you're going five, to, yeah, but if you're going to be rotating Sheets and Eloy out there, and regardless, you're going to have one of the you know him or the other, on the bench, I'd rather have up to fight through this. Because you're let just going to bring him up later in the season and you're, you're expecting him to have success just because go he goes down to Charlotte and gets let the Let me confidence. ask you this.
2: What, if, if Oscar Colas DH is, DH's, for, most, for the most part, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, he was the White Sox DH going forward, would you say that's a, a,
1: a waste? Say that again.
2: So if uh, let's just say Oscar Colas don't play right field. He's still in the lineup the same amount of time, but he's just the DH. Wouldn't you say that's a waste?
1: No, because you're getting at-bats at the major league level.
2: But Sheets is still in outfield.
1: Yeah, but in this situation, you want to give Sheets more at-bats because of the start he had. So this is yeah, his chance. so this who's going to be chance. the odd
2: man out? Colas is not a pick. you. You're not going to – Hayes
1: leaves the odd man out, and you keep Oscar as backup and, until he gets yeah. hot again.
2: Until how long do you gotta wait until he gets hot again?
1: It's undecided. Mm-hmm. Yeah but in I, this situation just, it it I'm not I'm not worried about waiting on him because I have Sheets and Eloy getting the reps in that in this situation. So really and this is gonna be a really bigger question because you have to and we're gonna get to this in a bit here about the retooling situation, but Kolos is already playing out of position, Justin. He's not a natural outfielder. He's a natural first baseman. Mhm. So you're going to have to make a decision here coming up, and I'll bring this up again. You're going to need to make a decision who's going to be at first base. Is that going to be Vaughn or Colas?
2: It got to be Vaughn.
1: Yeah. So what are you going to do with Colas? Is uh, he going to be your is he going to be your out of position everyday right fielder or is he sure? a or is this a situation you're gonna treat you're gonna trade Eloy for value and Colossus gonna be your designated hitter and your fourth outfielder for depth?
2: You trade Oscar Colas to China, you bring Trevor Bauer, <laughs> and you win a fucking <laughs> World Series, Gonzo. I don't know why you people aren't making it as simple as it possibly could be. Mm-hmm. But I just I me personally, I just feel like you're not getting any reward. For Oscar Colas. You're not getting rewarded with his speed, his defense, or his bat right now. It's just nothing.
1: True. And we have a special guest joining us tonight. Ooh. We are going to roll into Blackout Live. Mm-hmm. this is perfect timing cuz we were actually leading into our show segment topic as Kenneth was joining us KD And KD. for those of you for those of you that don't know this is Kenneth Davis from the Under Center podcast of NBC Sports Bears Kenneth welcome to the blackout show my friend um we're glad to have you and I know we'll get to the bears here in a little bit but you had a really busy last week covering the draft <laughs> and you haven't had much time to really watch the White Sox. So we're going to have to get ourselves caught up. Um, and what were your original thoughts about listening to us? And uh, really more so, have you seen any, anything of Colas lately or got to see him since this, season right. started? this
3: is my thoughts? Uh, I know the beginning mm. of the year, I believe he hit like a walk-off uh, home run. Um, I, I'm going to say this. I, I want to ask Joe. First of all, wait a minute, Jay. Am I getting your name correct, Jay? I don't want to mispronounce it now. I see. It's yes, I am, up. Jay. I'm sorry, Jay. I apologize. No, it's
2: okay. Um,
3: Chris, what's up, Chris and Jay? Um, this is, Jay, you said something, and I was like, whoa. What value does z truly have right now? And it's not a you thing. It's a they done messed it up thing where yeah. it's like, You paid all these – look, and I'm not knocking the whole league does this, especially teams that are viewed as not having large pockets or even regular teams now. You pay these guys early because you want to get some of those arbitration years and all of that. Cool, right? I've been a person, after he first started getting hurt, was like, okay, number one of the fucking bunch that has to go is Eloy because it's like, yo, he's going to keep getting hurt and do it now. So I'm talking two seasons ago. At least being like, look, I, I know he's fun and all that. Get you have to get off, and look, you have to get off some of these guys. And this is another thing that I was thinking years ago. All of these cats wasn't gonna make it as far as like everyone yeah. thought this was supposed to be the Cubs, where and I'm I'm a White Sox guy, so don't take it like I'm saying it in a negative sense, but seriously, that for a period of time that all of these players was gonna hit. Yohan Mankata has done jack since. The pandemic year. I mean, oh, we're, yeah. Has done since back then he had the one year and it's been nothing. And it, it hurts the most because he's part of the face of what this rebuild was when the first asset oh, you yeah. got though was supposed to be something in that Chris Sale trade. Um, dude, I don't, I'm, the socks. I listen, my heart is to y'all for still being in it. And like because basically it's a mental I, health issue. Dude, listen, for all sports, my favorite sports are baseball, basketball, and football. You know, it depends on where I'm at, depends on what my team is doing. But there are certain times where my favorite sport is clearly baseball, right? And it hasn't, baseball hasn't been my favorite sport in maybe seven years. I mean, because even with the Sox making the playoffs, I, I was in, I watched, I was there. But baseball will pummel your heart so bad, especially when your team blows leads and it's day after day. It hurts to watch baseball. It just, it, 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 it's, it's, I don't do it. So last year, I'm going to tell y'all this. Before the season, I looked, I looked at the rotation. I said, this isn't enough. It's not enough. I said, I'm not locking in. Right. I was like, I'm, I'm not going down this road if, if it's not being reciprocated the love between me and this organization this year. I remember my, one of my hosts, one of my co-hosts our bears inside of Josh Schrock. I was making fun of me. Cause I was like, yo, I'm locking in, man. I'm locking in, man. A week later, they, that whole losing streak started. He's like, you're still locking in. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not going down this road with this team when it feels like it, they don't love me back. And now look at these assets that we once had. That was so rich. The only guy out of, the main guys who hasn't really, and I love him to this death, even though he does stupid stuff like cutting in front of Eloy still, which is why are you still cutting in front of Eloy? All right, like, well, first of all, Eloy gets hurt too much for you to do it. And the last thing we need, and of course I'm talking about Lewis Robert, is for you to get hurt, all right? But the only one, because some fool out there may still think, and I, I, love, I love Lewis Robert, but some fool may still think you can get something out of him. But out of those guys, Mankata, Eloy, and Robert, He's the only one that someone would probably give you a little bit of something to he get gotta, back.
2: He, he got to be careful because that value is eroded and got benched You're yesterday. You're right. You're uh, right. You took for his, foolishness. On base percentages, sub 300. I mean, when people go out and make trades for you, they look at your contract and they look at what you bring to the table. Luis Robert is the ideal trade candidate if I'm looking into start over fresh. The problem with Luis is his performance lately is eroding his value right now. Like, you have five tools, Gonzo, but he's not making enough contact to get on base to use his speed. He's not making enough contact to hit the ball over somebody's head for the OPS and the slugging. So what is he bringing? He had a – he could have – we talked about it to open the show, Katie. We talked about it. He had an open base hit. Saturday afternoon, and he cha cha sliding down the damn line, and got thrown out by a pitcher.
3: No, oh, no. I did not say. It. Just in the chat, I, I believe. Let me say this: I believe I did not say hoes. All right, <laughs> I did not say hoes. <laughs> That's funny though. He went with he, 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 Kenny from the hood, come on now.
1: <laughs> hey, can you yeah, say but, what you want, even? No, no, no,
3: I don't <laughs> I, I, I mean, I wouldn't. It would be how I would use hoes. Um, I wouldn't use it towards the female women or anything like that but no I don't have a problem with the word hoes I just want to make sure to say I don't believe I I said hoes oh my god we gotta get
2: Jason Spencer up out the chat he calls it happening right now Now, don't
3: worry about him. We don't pack them up. We don't pack him up. He said, up. "Did he say one of his hoes? One of my hoes? <laughs> Dog, you do you know? Oh now my god! Talk, I... He gets
2: to talking about Mancata now. The chat No, he gets the body count.
1: Our favorite guy from the hood is now entering with us. The and, hood. Uh, yeah, he's he, he just got done umpiring and he's joining us. That's and Junior.
2: Like this Hollywood Squares. By the way, the <laughs> hood. I haven't been. I haven't
0: lived in the hood in a long time.
3: <laughs> What's going on, Ozzy? How's it going, sir? How you doing? Nice to see you. I'm, nice to see you too. It's going, man. I'm, we was just I'm talking, talking about
2: your favorite uh, center fielder, Luis Robert, and how he's still a Hall of Fame player, right? <laughs>
0: um, number one, how is he my favorite center fielder? Uh, number
2: you one. You said you like you. You said you like them over Mike Cameron, Lance Johnson.
1: You said. No, no. Well, no, we no. junior, junior, we did say how you were right that Graffal finally. That first player he held accountable was Luis Roberts. I wonder that.
0: Did I win that? Yeah. I wanted from way back then. I I, I yeah. said it. I, I, it was Robert. Um, and I said it for, for multiple reasons. I think that he's a player that, because of the situation of when Rick Renteria had him as, and the team it was only a 60 game season, it was COVID. You know, no one was really being like themselves in the sense of like how you handle the clubhouse and whatnot. And then Tony came in and, and Tony's obviously, I don't think Tony ever had a chance to really kind of be himself. And i I mean be himself, the historical Tony LaRusa of being a boss. I think he was just trying to be a, a, a great stepdaddy. You know, the white sides got married again, and you know the kids are bad, but you don't want to be mean and you don't want to bad
2: you know, kids listen. that don't listen, TA said. Yeah, don't that. Miss, but
0: you don't, but you don't want to piss anybody off. You're the you're the stepdad that's just like you know being nice. So I I, I knew that Pantera had never been reprimanded. Pantera had never gone through that. Moncada had, it, Eloy had. They they had gone through that with with Ricky, because uh, Rick Benitez would bench you. Um, it's been known. You guys can Google it. He bench pretty much every guy that's played for him under there. like got benched or sat or um, he he came down on. And the only one that was missing from that group was was really Pantera. Colos was a new guy, and I didn't think I didn't see Vaughn being that guy. And I was like, Pantera's a guy that I think if I had to put money on it, that group falls in a – You know. That that is going to get on, and 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 not only that, I think that Pedro. When you look at Pedro's character of who he is uh, as a former player and a coach, very different than Pantera. Pantera's just been gifted since he was a little kid. Like he's just a phenomenal athlete. Things come to him very easily. And I think when guys like Griffo who literally had to grind every single inch of their professional career, they they tend to you know be a little bit harder on guys that. Stuff comes easier too. And I think he just had enough with, with Pantera. And to be honest, Pantera got very off very easily. After he got in trouble, they kind of like protected him at the end there because Pantera should be in AAA right now.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, chat, third um, blackout live here with Kenneth. Our topic of this segment is what is your core going forward? We were just <laughs> talking about it. What's a core? What
0: do you mean by the core? Like you mean the guys <laughs> are going to stay here for the future?
1: Yes. When you, <laughs> if you decide you're going to either retool or rebuild, who are you going to keep? By the way, by, um, is this
0: based on money?
1: Yes. Anything, talent, money. Who, who are you well, keeping?
0: Talent-wise, you can have it both ways because talent-wise, I think a lot of these guys are way overpaid. Uh huh. I-, I think talent-wise, I think one of the biggest mistakes the White Sox made, and what they've always made actually, yeah. um has been overvaluing talent. Thinking that they have all the best players. We're seeing it right now with a kid, which I've never seen him play, so I, I can't talk about his skill set. But every time you think about, you hear the word Montgomery, you, I heard somebody say he's he can be better than Tim Anderson. I was like, are you like, do you hear yourself saying, Tim Anderson was not great defensively, but he his numbers, when they tell you that you can play in the big leagues and they'll switch your position, he's a very good baseball player. So throwing out the word, He is the next Tim Anderson. That's tread lightly at this point. Yeah. Doing it for multiple years. So we tend to do that in Chicago of just throwing out there. Um, It goes back to Gordon Beckham when Ozzie Guillen as a manager, everybody hated on him when he said, when Gordon said, I want to be the next Derek Jeter. And Ozzie as a joke said, tell Gordon Beckham to be Ozzie Guillen. And people thought that Ozzie was just being ironic. And they didn't realize that Ozzie played 13 years every day at shortstop hitting 270, 260, but he was there for 13 years. They didn't have to worry about – every year they drafted, they didn't have to worry about someone at shortstop. And it's like, yeah, it's great. We all want to be Derek Jeter, but don't shoot so high. And everyone in Chicago media and everybody went nuts on him. Um, I said the other day when, when they were talking about Madrigal, when they signed him, I said, be Ray Durham, and they went nuts. I said, do you guys – have you guys realize who Ray Durham was? like." Right. Right. When I said it, when Tim Anderson four years ago and they're like, oh, what do you mean? I said, if Tim Anderson is Ray Durham or the vicinity of even he might be better than Ray Durham at this point, he's going to have a very, very solid career. So I think the overvaluing of players is a huge one of the biggest factors of why this has not
2: worked. They've overvalued young talent very, very uh, well, it, it, yeah, it's the talent thing, and but you got to understand with them overvaluing talent, that means they automatically undervalue consistency. And when you look in, in this White Sox uniform, Tim Anderson right now is the most consistent player. I have.
0: He's the most talented player on the team. He's the most talented player on the team. Is the most the most everything. Team. He's the most. He's the biggest mock on the team. On he's the, the realest team. person on the team. He is a guy that every when he takes the field, I know that it, unless Tim Anderson has something torn, okay. When he's left, when he's gotten yeah. injured. It's not his back hurts. It's a spasm. He's got a migraine. It's a broken
2: hand. It's a broken hand.
0: It's a torn. It's like it's a it's a legit injury that requires surgery, time off. There's nothing in the mystery uh, when it comes to him. Here's the other part though. When you're talking about consistency, and the Sox have a big issue with this. When they are into someone, Michael Kopech will pitch a great game today. They will go to the end with this person. Because yeah, it yeah. was their top guy, and when other guys, if you're not the top guy, they'll cut you out real quick. We saw it with Reese, you know. So, when you're a top guy that they draft you very high and you know that they, they, they marketed you,
2: they're or invest top. some financial resources, like I'm saying, Jonathan
0: their leash is also. a lot longer than other players, and we're seeing it right now with Kopech, the the crochet one right now, with they've given him the fifth starter spot with a guy who hasn't pitched more than two years in the big leagues in the bullpen. And to be honest, he hasn't been lights out that you could say, oh, yeah, give him the starting job. And the fifth. So, the, again, I think that when you're talking about the core, it's like, okay, who do I know is going to be here because they can afford them? But moving forward, I think the big decision and the White Sox are three are, are, are one of the three teams in Major League Baseball that has not signed a player for over $100 million. And I'm going to be honest, man. I understand why T.A.'s pissed off because I'd be pissed off if I was T.A. too. I look to third. I see Moncada. He got paid more than me. Okay. I looked across when O'Bray was here. He got paid more than me. I turned to center field. That guy got paid more than me. I looked now to left field. Ben got paid more than me. Everybody is getting paid more than than Tim Anderson. So at one point, you got to say, okay, I get it. That's nasty
2: work when you think about
0: it. I'm just saying, though, at one point, he's got to be looking around and saying, okay, I play more games. Okay. I'm definitely more marketable than any of these guys all put together in one. Okay. I've produced every time I've played at a at a position at, in my hitting spot that probably isn't my best position at leadoff because if they hit me six, I might drive in 120 runs. So Tim Anderson, to my opinion, I think is what the White Sox is going to look like in the future because if somebody deserves a $100 million tag as a $100 million player for the Chicago White Sox, is Tim Anderson. And if you don't think today, May 2nd, in your plans and Jerry and Kenny and Rick Hans like magic board. If they don't have that money saved for Tim Anderson, then what's Tim Anderson doing here? Because yeah. he's going to get that hundred million dollars in free agency
3: from somebody.
0: From somebody, and, and probably more easily,
3: the Dodgers, easily.
0: The Dodgers, the Braves. I watch Braves baseball a lot. Tim Anderson would fit perfectly in that in that lineup. It, I don't even it, that lineup would just gets that much scarier. So I think for me moving forward, I think in a rebuilding, a retool, and a restructure, I think Tim Anderson has a lot of value. Because if they move away from him, I think it's even I think it's more painful than moving away from Abreu because of Abreu's age and where he was at. So I think Tim Anderson, if they let Tim go, the that restructure looks a lot different. So for me, I think that it starts with Tim Anderson. Like if you want to retool and restructure and not open a huge window, you have to sign TA. I
2: wanna I wanna ask I wanna ask Skinny this. Kenny, I see the uh the Jackie Robinson painting behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh That's what Tim Anderson represents for me in a Chicago White Sox uniform, somebody who's relatable, one of the guys. Uh, When Gonzo asks a question about a core, do you think socially Tim Anderson is worth moving forward with as far as, like, bringing the new crop up to have them follow his lead? Would you like that situation?
3: I would would like it as a Sox fan, but I don't know if I would like it for Tim Anderson. You know, like, I, I like Tim Anderson. And mm-hmm. you you have players like it was hard seeing Jose Abreu play for a team that didn't do a lot of winning during his tenure here in the White Sox uniform. You know, like you 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 just come over here and the team basically sucks, right? And then they get they didn't get close, but they actually become a playoff team. But it's it's all hocus pocus. It's not it's not real. I, yeah. I want to say this about the whole core thing too. My issue with what would I do moving forward? And I was thinking about this yesterday. I can't really wrap my head around what I would do because who would be the person rebuilding or, or retooling this team? Yeah, like it 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 starts there because clearly it's not getting done properly. So I mean, I would like if I will say this: if you were going to do a retooling, I think Tim Anderson is the clubhouse leader and also marketing wise. He's a guy that you can market easily for the next decade here in Chicago. Even when his bat starts to slip, people are still going to love him for what he did in the past. Absolutely. Um, you look at somebody like Dylan Cease. Look, if you really don't make a move, you know who you got to trade. You know what I'm saying, you know it's going to bring you back the biggest return, and you're wasting his his years right now. Like, if you're really going to do it, but then I, I say to myself, Ken, wait, you're talking about and this was my problem. When they did the first te- – when they did the teardown, I'm saying the first teardown like we're doing in one already. The issue that I had then was, wait, this is cool that the White Sox are getting these young players, right? But one thing the White Sox had done at that time, primarily under Kenny, but also under Rick Hall, exactly. Wow. We, we, we detached the Rick Hall from Kenny like they're not connected, right? Oh, like, they're connected. Yeah, exactly. But hey. we, we detached him like – That's his boss. Yeah, just listen, just yeah, listen awesome. to Rick Hahn. If you haven't been over the years, listening to Rick Hahn at times. He doesn't sound like Kenny Williams to you. You are not paying attention to me, right? But this was the thing when they when they first traded Chris Sale, as I just held held up his jersey. One of the biggest problems I had then was who selecting these players because this front uh. office does not do well selecting everyday players, right? So even then it was like, wait. Hold on, how am I going to be for sure that these guys... That's yeah, the next GM. By the way,
0: by the way, Juan Diego Montenegro, I, I'm going to be honest, man. I, I'm really pissed off. And again, this is to Kenneth's point. First of all, they got to rebuild the effing minor league system before they worry about this big league team. When Kenny Williams' teams were not, when they were faltering and not making it with Ozzy as a manager, they were going for it every single year. His, his minor league teams did not resemble... The shittiness that this minor league system resembles today. The wow. description of what they've done in the minor league system, okay? And I've talked to a lot of people in other minor league systems that are like people are think the mind, the big league's in trouble. Their minor league system is like shot. Okay. Chris Getz runs that minor league system. So this whole thing about like Chris Getz is a genius. I don't know who the hell they've been talking to. Why is he a genius? Other than he's a Caucasian man who communicates well.
2: Why is he a genius? Caucasian
0: I mean, man I, that communicates well. No, I'm, I'm being, dude, I'm, I'm keeping it 100% real. When you talk about guys that are geniuses, Kenny Williams has a ring, you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. He my, he led a minor league director for many years. You're like, okay, like just like Ozzy like, okay, this dude sounds crazy sometimes, he's at a World Series ring. Tony LaRusso sounded old, he's at a, I'm sure if you talked to Phil Jackson today, you're like, this dude's off. He won six championships in two different teams. When you have won and you've done and you've had success, you have to give you the benefit of the doubt. What have Chris Getz and Rick Hahn done in order for everybody from Barstool Sports to Chuck to Chuck to NBC to every single person in the media saying that
2: these guys are geniuses? Why are they geniuses? Well, Chris Getz I'm, I'm, hit that I'm, one. No, I'm serious. Chris Getz hit that one double in a White Sox uniform. And Rick no, Chris Getz done. does
0: not make the big league team unless Ozzy Guinness says <laughs> he's in the roster with Kenny because he was not a top prospect. He's not Gordon Beckham. So as a player, so I, I don't get it when they yeah. say the word genius. And like these guys, it's not like Loon is building the White Sox front office or, or Theo Epstein. And you're like, okay, man, this guy did it in the Cubs. It's taking him some time. Pedro Grifo has more success in building minor league systems than the guys that are in the actual front office. How nutty is that for all the fun? That's sick. For Pedro? He's done it before he did it in Seattle. So that's when the word genius starts running around when you're looking at the core and you start thinking about, okay, if we rip it up, okay, can you rip it up and really bring the value in return and not be in the hole for 10 years like the Pirates were because you moved TA the wrong way? Or the Marlins when they moved Miguel Cabrera for five players to Detroit, one who made the big leagues? Like, just because you trade players doesn't mean that the stuff's going to work. So if they're they're talking about retooling and and redoing this, it's like, okay, do we need to trade the core? Or do we, do we, or do we just need to, like, maybe not sign anybody for a little bit and maybe not pay over-the-hill bullpen guys more money and kind of keep the core together and kind of, like, have them learn on the fly and maybe benching them like Griffal has been doing. They kind of wake up, and maybe they're, they're not going to be MVPs, but we kind of can get them, like, going like, dude, if Lyle Mouton, okay, would have played for this team, he would have been so rich, okay? Daryl Boston – Okay, Joe Borchard.
3: He went loud most the You speak your facts. I mean, he, physically, mild, physically he, he was literally
0: Frank Thomas in the mirror. Yes. Okay. And he, and, he, and he destroyed the minor league. But again, I, I'm really worried because I am not 100% of saying these guys are not great, meaning it's a health issue. But like, if you trade them away, are you really going to get the value that doesn't set you back 10 years? That's the gap. And here's the thing. I see them playing today. TA's back in the lineup. I don't care what anybody says. When Tim Anderson's in the lineup, this team gets better. I do not They're not a World Series contending team, but the team does get a lot better. And you see them playing today, and you're like, man, if these guys want to run, and they get back to 500, and they get one or two pieces, and they get the right person to lead them, this team at least is contending for a World Series. What I don't see them doing is – is trading a person like T.A. or C's and competing in the next five years. Two years, years. yeah. Ah, yeah, like that's the scary part. Like I see them like, okay, they're not – like which one is more – like you're, they're in the middle of an island, and which one – which side is closer? It's like do you trade T.A. and Cease and go full rebuild, okay? I'm like, that looks like ten years to get better again. Or do you keep those guys and say, hey, let's kind of make these guys learn on the fly and like whip them into shape? And who cares about how much they pay them? Be like, okay, they're going to be what they're going to be. And, and you don't, you know, you don't pick up a couple options. You kind of like wear it out for like, you have Griffal for three years and kind of like kind of ride with it and see where you go and, and do this. Because the other problem was we're talking about rebuild. We had Rick Renteria when he got good, everybody panicked and pulled the freaking the pulled the exit on him after 160 COVID season, which I still think is a season that they should have gone for it. Okay. And then... Tony comes in, has a great year, then he has an 81, his heart's messed up, he can't do it, but he's fired. So that's a two-year plan. Now we got Pedro in, and going into April, they want to destroy his team. So it's not like it's like two years into Pedro and you want to blow it up. It's like, do you really want to blow this up a month into Pedro?
2: Four weeks into Pedro. I'm
0: just saying, though, like they were so positive in the press conference and, and, and Rick Hahn looked like he had just seen – Rick Hahn's face looked like the first time he was white. with He was so happy that he got his guy – he was smirking the whole time. You could yeah. tell that he was happy. So wh- what happened to that, like, happiness with everybody, with Pedro, he's still the same guy that he was. We're going to kick your ass. And so, like, do you really want to pull the plug one month in? I'm like, I don't think it's worth it because I'm like, what happened if this guy, they pulled the plug on him, and he's like a Tony – but vice versa, his shitty year is going to come first. And then his good year comes later with guys a little bit more mature and Pedro kind of feeling more comfortable. It, today, Pedro Griffon and Ozzy Guillen had a conversation and I was very upset because I called Ozzy Guillen and he was talking to Pedro Gifford and He said, I can't talk to you right now. I'm talking to Pedro. And I was like, dude, yeah. like, what the F? But they, everybody saw the picture. And I said, what, what, what did you tell him? And he said, I told him to be himself. Like, I, I said, you, you're going to win or lose. Do it yourself. And that's Ozzy sending a, an underlining message, okay, to him because he knows who he's working with. If you're going to go down, go down yourself. In 2004, Ozzy could have gone the route of, oh, Jose Valentin, I don't want to hurt his feelings. I don't want to hurt Carlos Lee's feelings. I don't want to hurt Sandy's feelings. These are guys that were his friends. And he was like, Valentin, you're not playing. Juan Ariba, you're my future chore stop. I don't care. Valentine won't be here next year. Carlos Lee... So, like, Griffault needs to start managing to think about, like, yo, these guys might not be here next year. I am. And he needs to make it a priority. Call guys out. Play the game that you want. If they tell you that not to hit Jake Berger third, but you want to hit Jake Berger third, tell the front office, tell Daniel, tell all the guys up there that are making the lineups and giving you, give them the finger and say, I'm making my own lineup. Because there's nobody in that front office, maybe Kenny, 50 50, that can make a better lineup than Pedro Griffault. So I'm like, hopefully he goes down with his, I'm being serious. If I'm paid, Pedro's money's guaranteed. And everyone in baseball is watching. So everybody wants him to be himself. If he's himself and he fights, he'll manage again, man. You can tell the guy's a great communicator that he gets yeah. it. He's up there. There's things about him that I really like, but I'm like, I hope that he doesn't think that by me trying to save this team and being like a little, uh, like a little stepdad for them and like loving them and caring for them, that I'm going to be here for the next 20 years. Cause he's not. Pedro, they don't care. If you don't produce, they will fire you. And that's what he needs to realize. And, like, the quicker he acts, I think the better off. So, I, in my opinion, I think you keep the court. You keep everybody. You try to move Lance Lynn. You try to move Lucas Giolito. But you do not move the guys that are here for the long haul, meaning you don't you don't move guys that are signed to 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 good contracts or friendly deals. And I, unless, man, I don't know – I don't see a future for the White Sox without Tim Anderson.
3: I That's really, a fact.
0: Well, because who? When are they going to sign a free agent? If you told me, okay, they're not going to get Tim Anderson's gone, but they're going to, you know, sign the next Trey Turner or the next free agent. I'm like, okay, you can live with that. But let's be real, man. They're not going to sign a big name. They're not. They never do. Jermaine Dye wasn't a big name. Agent Brzezinski wasn't a big name. They were good players but they weren't, like, in the top list of, like, a big – if the last free agent signing that I think that blew everyone's mind was, like, Albert Bell in the, the top of their game when they brought Albert. That was yeah. a long time ago. I was a little kid. They're like, whoa, they're bringing up – they think Jim Tomey was a big – I'm like, Jim Tomey? Jim was, like, in the back end of his career, very good player, but it wasn't a top 10 player that they brought in as a free agent. So that's where I think, like, okay, you let Tim go, okay? Who do you bring for Tim. And I still think that Tim, even if he even if he stops producing at the Tim Anderson level, he can be like a like an Ozzie in a very, very good team, a better version of Ozzie because he can hit a lot more, obviously. But he can be a really good court player and not have to be the face of the team in three or four years because you've built around him the right people.
2: OJ, you uh you brought up something about Tim Anderson that's uh that stuck out to me. You said he would be a good fit on the Braves. And oh, what yeah. I what I when I Rodgers, at, when, I, when I look at Tim Anderson, I see what he, I, I, to your point, Houston does that with Jeremy Pena. They'll bat him all over the place, a lot of different situations. You could do that with Tim Anderson when you have a lineup that yeah. can protect protect him and put him in different situations. Um, going forward, when you're building a new offensive regime. Tim Anderson could be a cog and a saving grace for that because he could bat in different areas because he could stir the drink and give you some momentum and take the pressure off. Like look at what, look at what's happening in Detroit right now. Their offense is going to be terrible. Uh, Spencer Torkelson, Javier Baez, there's nobody to start the game off for those guys in Detroit. So they're hitting in very different situations than what our white Sox guys hitting two, three, four in the lineup because Tim Anderson kicks it off.
0: I have a question, and, yeah. and Tony didn't do it. And I asked Ozzy Gian this question. Obviously, when we're talking about when he did the managerial, and he said, well, I hope that I don't have to be with that because like Ozzy loves T.A. like at six spot. He loves him in that spot, but he's a great leadoff guy. And I've seen Andrew Benatendi hit like third like twenty times already. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, why don't you just hit T.A. third? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm serious. I'm like, I'd rather see T.A. hitting third than Robert.
2: Oh, facts.
0: Oh, well, that's what I mean, though. But he never, they never put him there. So it's like, when you're looking at, like, when they're experimenting, I'm like, they're not, they're not experimenting with T.A. I don't know if T.A. just likes leading off. If he's like, if he's like a Ricky Hamilton. O.J., look,
2: Luis Arias is on my fantasy team, and he's been batting cleanup. for. That's running. what I'm
0: saying, though. So like, if you're like, the White Sox need to find out who they are. So if they are going to be a quirky team, like, when we saw Tampa, man, the reason that Tampa's so good, they know who they are. They know, like, they're swing and miss guys. Like, they know who they are. They, they're weird. They're quirky. They know they don't have big names. But White Sox need to know who they are and, like, really find their identity. and like Their they're, IG they're, models right,
2: and TikToks.
0: No, but I'm saying, like, when you're like they're worried about the clubhouse. Like, who's the leader? In the, who, there's no leader in the clubhouse. Griffo is a clubhouse leader. You're in a clubhouse. You're a grown-ass man. It's who's the leader in the field. And when I look at the field – the guy, when he is playing well, this team does well, is Tim Anderson. When Tim sucks, this team looks like they're they're done. So like for me, when I'm looking at the game, I'm like, okay, when I see TA going well, I'm like, this team's gonna be really good today. When I see TA struggling and he's getting better at it. So w- when we're talking about building the core and what we're moving around, and again, TA's not the same player he was two years ago. He's not the player, same person he was four years ago. I don't think I, – I think people have a misconception of, like, when people say his off-the-field problems, what are you talking about? Like, the guy is – he off-the-field problems. Like, what – to me, that's, like, mind-blowing. Off-the-field problems?
2: Like, do you think that – And these are the people I? that argue for a living on the end No,
0: no, no. You can't, that's not – he doesn't have – Dude, problem <laughs> is having a drug problem and a gambling problem and T.A. got caught with five guns. And like three, right. co- you know, 25 pounds of cocaine. That's a problem. Right. Like, TA, right. has never, TA has never even been like, people are like, oh, TA told Ozzy to shut the fuck up. He's a bad person. No, he's not. He was just reacting to it. Probably like Ozzy would have told TA, shut the fuck up if he was on TV. It's just, it, it. people don't get who he is. So I'm like, when people think like he's like a bad, like he's a bad seed, like, like he's a player that's coming with all like, uh, like a Milton Bradley, for example. They're like, oh, man, he's really good, but there, there's some things off the field. So when people are like, that's the last thing you got to worry about, T. The only worry that I had about T.A. from a core standpoint, and I'm going to be very honest with you, I wanted to ship T.A. to the outfield at one point. I said, this dude's got to play left field. Wow. Me too. I Me too. To. But you, you know not a problem, KD. No, I but did. he earned it. Hey, he earned it. He earned it. <laughs> he worked really hard and made himself a shortstop. And today, I'm going to be 100 with you. Because I know this for a fact. My cousin plays shortstop for the Braves. Ron Washington's there. And Ron Washington was like, I can make Tim Anderson a go Glover." In their conversations. Because they always talk about, like, who could you work with? And when you look at Tim Anderson and his natural ability and how much has improved, like, he has that talent that he could be a go glove elite. Like, I'm talking about, like, elite, elite, elite. So you're not going to go find that. You're not going to go and find – you're not going to draft the next Tim Anderson. That's going to be very hard to do. So that's when we're talking about the core. My concern is two people on both sides of the ball. And Dylan Cease. Because without those two guys today, May 2nd, 2023, I don't see the White Sox competing. Wow. I really don't. I, I, you can find another catcher. You can you can move on. You can put Colas at first. You can move them all around. I just don't see... In, in the in the pipeline, I don't see a shortstop. Okay, I don't see another starting frontline starter in the pipeline, and people are gonna write me and say, "Oh, Montgomery," and you know, it's like, really? I've never seen him play in the big leagues. Right. And he's not that Jose great. Rodriguez.
1: Jose, Jose Rodriguez. Jose like, Rodriguez is a guy that you gotta consider, but I'd probably. He's a third the baseman.
0: Base. He's a third baseman, so he's got to no, play no, no, short. No. So now. Brian Ramos. Playing.
1: You're thinking about Brian Ramos at third. So who's who's Jose. Rodriguez? Papa. Jose Rodriguez, Popeye. He's their shortstop. They're presumably okay. going with. But I I'm going to be you.
0: So you. know what talent is in the minor leagues? Miguel Cabrera is talent when they bring his butt up to the big leagues. Doncho Willis is talent. Grady Sizemore is talent. If these dudes were that good, they'd be in the big leagues right now. They got Elvis Andrews in a wheelchair at second. And that's my boy. <laughs> They got, they got, they got Lanin Sosa. They got Romy Gonzalez. If these, guys were, if these guys were a spark of hope, okay, I'm going to give you this much. Do you think if Andrew Vaughn was not as good as he is, he'd be in the White in Sox big league roster? No. But he was that good that they said, we could throw this guy in there. They just did it with Colas. They saw, oh, man, we might have been too early. So if any of those guys had promised that they were as good as Andrew Vaughn, they'd be in the big leagues. So when people are like, oh, I mean, like, so how far are they? I'm thinking like five years.
1: Damn. Uh how year. From,
0: how close are they? How close are they then?
1: Ramos and Rodriguez are a year away. And then Schultz, away. the starter pitcher, is okay. two years away.
0: A year away from doing what? Well, putting on the uniform and eating sunflower seeds? Or a year away from nah. coming in the big leagues and producing? Because there's a difference to being in the big yeah. leagues. There's guys that were playing, and then there's a guy sitting next to me, the interpreter, and we're talking the game.
1: And then you got cold last.
0: So that's what I'm saying, though. So, like, that's what I'm, that's my fear. You can have these guys in the big leagues, but that could also mean you're losing 100 games, and yeah. that you never and you never get it to put it together. It's taking the, the the Pittsburgh Pirates are on the 20th losing season. Okay, 20th losing season in a row. So, If you make the wrong move right now, you can set this team back 10 years of another huge rebuild. Okay, if it wasn't for Tony's season and the the COVID year, this team would be now on like seven in a row of losing seasons. Let's keep it real. COVID baby season, 60 games. Tony comes in, finds a way to win 93 games and they win 81. They were 500, not a winning season. So this year right now, it's gonna be a battle. So like when you think about moving guys, I would tread lightly, man. I think White Sox fans think it's bad right now. I'm like, oh, it can get really bad. The Cincinnati Reds were the big red machine at one point. Right now, they're looking like a little kid's toy, toy, toy machine. And they've been in that for like 10 years. So yeah. we need to be very careful if we want to have competitive baseball moving forward. And people are like, oh, get a new owner. Oh, really? Because is that easy? A new owner's going to bring all his friends and everybody going to rebuild in one year. Oh, really? Because franchises work really well like that. It's not that easy. They want
2: that Michael Cohen ownership.
0: But it doesn't matter, though, because when, when Michael Cohen has a base, he had a foundation, he's just bringing extra pieces in. If you don't have anything, it's really hard to just build from scratch. This is not the NBA. You get signed two guys, and you're like, we're, we're – this is baseball, man. You need to have, like – in Anaheim, they got Otani and Trout, and they can win games. And they got Word. two of the best players in baseball. So, like, you need – they need to be able to set themselves up and say, we need to reorg – and be able to find because between the the team going for the World Series and fans going for the World Series, they've completely destroyed their foundation. And without a foundation, you can't build towards the future. And White Sox has a big mistake, man. They think it's either World Series or nothing. The way for you to compete into the World Series is winning a division, winning a division, winning a division. And that's where the Sox need to go to. If you win a division 19 times in a row, I don't care if you have a World Series ring, that was so a, a fun 19 years. Go ask the Braves. No one, no one in their in their fan base is complaining about all those years. Trust me, the White Sox fans are traded in two seconds. So they need to get to that because it's really hard to compete, man. And by the way, they're, they're, they're competing right now because there's no realignment. It's only, it's only going to take MLB baseball to realize that they're losing money this way and going back to two divisions, National League and American League. And we're going to take the top 10 teams from there. Good luck the White Sox making the playoffs then.
2: Damn, hold on now.
0: I'm being serious. It used Kenneth can tell you it used to be two divisions, bro. Ooh. It used teams were teams were missing out on the playoffs with 96 oh, wins.
3: You didn't get to sniff that pick. Wins.
0: You're you're in second place. Out
3: by chance. What the before, uh, before the wild card?
0: Dude. Yeah, the wild card now oh. is like this is fun now. You're like, oh right. like then, you're like, oh 97 wins. Oh, sorry, you're in second place. Yep.
1: And so then are Junior, ultimately, really like we can come up with a core between the four of us, but ultimately, you still have Han here, which we, we might hear rumblings on the side with the GM, but we can't he trust Han. No. We can't trust well, Han like, to do the, anything. It, like,
3: Jerry, I mean, I'm sorry for interrupting. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, when it, I don't see Jerry getting it, rid
3: of his guy, I'm sorry. We I just saw him. Rebuilding. I thought you for me. I
1: yeah, we just saw, uh, on do his rebuild, and he didn't retool at all during it to you know wrap the players around his core they put together. And that is, you know, what what did he do after 2021 in that divisional round when he saw that there were holes there and we needed help around them? That's not even mentioning hole. what was it?
0: Did he see the holes? That's the yeah. situation. All my concern is, this. yeah, and, and no? Jerry. is Jerry like if is Jerry and Kenny. Okay. My question is this because Kenny just brought it up that I put it back on Jerry. It doesn't matter if Rick Khan didn't see the holes, but if somebody telling him and saying, hey, there are holes in our roster, like the part when we're talking about accountability is like, okay, did we really not sign these guys or did you go the cheap route? And why are you saving this money for? So that's what we're talking about. Like when you're looking at like the gaps, it's like Rick Khan's a GM, Kenny's there as like a lever to help him. Not fall and being like his sounding board, and then Jerry's supposed to be their sounding board of like not spending bad money. And I hope they're talking to their skipper, okay? Because they used to talk to Ozzy, and that's why there's a lot of conflict because Ozzy would be like, "Why are you bringing that guy? He's old." Or bring this guy and that type of conversation. Is that happening with the the team now in the front office and what they're doing? That's the issue because if if maybe Chris, my worry is. Did Rick think we had a problem? Because maybe I don't think he has the way that this team is talking and being like, you know, they said we're going to make moves. Like, man, I love Billy Hamilton, but Billy ain't a move.
2: <laughs> well, that was a – I mean, they did a good job bringing in Joe Kelly, right? Joe Kelly? And They, 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 they
0: blamed Joe Kelly. <laughs> they blamed Joe Kelly on Tony, but the Deakman move, I still don't get it. Why did they make that Deakman move? I still don't by know. Because I, I you had
2: McGuire off the roster, apparently. <laughs> no,
1: uh, yeah, Apparently, thinking... our last guest thought that Diekman was good enough. By the way, I was right last week. Diekman was the first to get DFA'd, by the way. I won't take my victory lap. I'm just going to put it out there. No, I'm just saying that, but you're not wrong. But like, We're doing the right stuff. The
0: move, but I'm saying that when you look at the move last year, when you're analyzing Rick as a whole, and you look at the move, you have to understand of like why was that move made? of like, why would you bring in a lefty reliever when you're not in the race? You're giving up something, and then it's a money situation. Mm. I don't get that move. Like like the Elvis Andrews move, I get it. Mended goes down, you need to find someone. He played well. You have to sign between Harrison and him, and you go for him. That's fine. Like, you know, you missed on a guy. Um, Again, like when you miss on guys like that on a move like one or the other, like right now they're like, he should have signed Vince Velasquez. I'm like, dude, Vince Velasquez. I didn't think he was going to be that good this year. Like, he's pitching. Exactly. Like, we can't take that risk. Like, we're done. He's hurt. We're all right. Like, we all knew that he was going to get hurt eventually. So Rick was right of not extending him. So I think that in in that situation though, when you're looking at like the Deepman move, you're like, man, like I really want to ask him and say, why did you make it? Okay, uh, or why did you do the Joe Kelly move? Okay, why did you do certain moves? Um, so I I think that that's the part where you're looking at it and saying. Was it an organizational thing? Did they think they were going to You're be? You're Chris
3: sure.
0: Um, Chris Griffal <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Again, I'm going to be honest, man. I think that for this rebuild, I think that one of the concerns that they have to start worrying about now is fans in the stands. And I really think that if they do blow it up like 100%, I don't think fans are going to be okay with like that buy-in like they were last time because the fans were bought in. You know, they went in, they 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 bought into it. Because um, I was surprised the first time they did that they rebuilt because I was around Kenny Williams for eight years, every single day. And Kenny hates rebuilt. That dude is miserable when he loses. He does not like losing. And the one thing that he did when Ozzie was a skipper was that every single year he did everything in his power to put a competing team on the field for it, like legitly. He lived and died that role. So, like, I know that him going because Ozzy. By the way, White Sox Center are probably getting mad at this. Ozzy wanted to rebuild like in 2007. He was like considering it. He wanted to do it in 2009. He was like, blow this, sh- you know, blow it up. Let's, you know, let's retool. And they, they were like, no, 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 we can do it. So, they, I, they, they, love competing. So for them to be able to go out and say we're gonna rebuild again, I don't think the White Sox fans are gonna buy that.
3: No, they're not. They're not gonna we, well, we're not, well, hell no, it's gonna be empty is what yeah, it's gonna be. It I, I think this time around,
0: like from what we're seeing, and especially I think if they get rid of Tim Anderson, Ooh. Like, if they rebuild and get rid of oh. T A and like we'll sign I'm up showing for, up with and,
2: cargo shorts and tiki torches, but no, I to it is, though. like you have, it's a money situation. Well, guys, I, the fans, to, fans, I, I
0: think the fans already know.
1: Time. I mean you look at the attendance today, the, the, it's almost empty, like no, decisions need to be made now. But who would,
0: you guys, who would you guys pay to go watch for the White Sox?
2: You on Moncada?
1: No, no, I'm being well, serious. Apparently last Thursday, me and Jay were there for Dylan Cease, and that was about it. And then after okay, we saw no, that no, situation, okay. after after we saw that situation unfold, me and Jay and Ray, we were sent three hundred level. We went right back behind the section, sat on the couch, drank, and watched the draft. No, but that, but but again, that's how that but, went.
0: But that's how you have to consider that. Like when you look and you say, okay, Cease, he goes every five days. He's a guy that comes in and you watch. On the offensive side, the only guy that I see people going and buying a ticket for today, I'm talking about today, that. Oh, yeah, it's TA. It's Tim Anderson. Yeah, it's TA. Everybody might have their favorite player, but I'm talking about like fans from other cities that say, I talk baseball to everybody. The number one player that people know now that Abreu is gone is Tim Anderson other people kind of name some TA is the guy that everybody knows. So I think that when you're looking at that from a financial standpoint, they need to tread very very lightly on when they move with TA.
1: Yeah. White Man.
2: Sox Twitter don't matter uh, vision. Remember that.
1: Well, White Sox Man. Twitter hate
0: other than with the Clevenger thing that they put up every time he pitches now it's like they yeah. go out it, it, again it's We'll Twitter. get to
1: White Sox Twitter and tweets in a bit, but we have we have the rest of May to figure out what this team's going to do, but we just mentioned the draft, and we got one guy here with us. Why the people really want to listen to talk is about the Chicago Bears. And at pick number nine, the Chicago Bears did not trade down. They actually traded out one spot with the Eagles. Philly took Jalen Carter. Bears went back one pick, picked up a fourth rounder next year, and they drafted Darnell Wright. Tackle out of Tennessee with that pick, Kenneth. I'll let you take the rest, and we'll we'll get to it with the each pick. But uh, tell us that break that breakdown of right at nine. Um,
3: I don't know if how many people caught the draft night in Chicago that we did over at NBC. Um, listen, I I wanted Will Anderson at the beginning of this before when the Sox had the number not the Sox you got me talking the White Sox when the Bears had the number one pick right. And we were going back and forth. We were debating about him and Jalen Carter. And my thoughts around Jalen Carter were how often and how long do great defensive tackles last? Because it's kind of a rarity to have a – Aaron Donald, let's push him off of here. You know what I'm saying? But even guys like a Warren Sapp, you can say that Warren Sapp was only like Warren Sapp, Warren Sapp sap consecutively for maybe five, six years. And maybe he had a blip or two like when he got to Oakland or something like that. So I wasn't big into Jalen Carter. But it seemed like when everybody thought the Bears would perhaps make a move with the Colts, that by picking fourth, that would be the player there. So I accepted that maybe they'd end up with Jalen Carter. This is before the car uh, wreck stuff came out and before he loafed on the, um, the pro day, all right? Um, and the thing with Jalen Carter, and I'll say this, uh, drafting Jalen Carter would have been like Madden, but it's real life. And and Madden, I can control it in real life. He's out there rich and doing, Lord knows what the hell he's doing in his free time. Yeah. And the league also, the league also told us. I mean, when Pete Carroll doesn't want you, and you are that type of talent, and Pete Carroll will take will take a risk on a on anybody, damn near. Um, you saw the Lions didn't want him. When the league told us, and we all thought that the the, the Eagles would be the best option for Jalen Carter. That's what everyone knew, just from the organization and for the defensive players they already have in that room to kind of steer him right and keep him going, um, on a pro level. Because the Bears we didn't feel like really had a mentor. Um, initially I'll tell you this, the player, I want the players to probably get a tackle and I was going to set settle for, um, Paris Johnson, Paris Johnson was gone. I I wanted the left tackle because I'm not sold on Braxton Jones. I'm not Braxton Jones in my, I'll say this when Ryan Pohl says that everyone has to compete. That's not true when it comes to Braxton Jones. All right. Braxton Jones, was allowed to fail and keep failing, and maybe it'll benefit them this year that he was allowed to go out there and keep failing, but you did not treat him the same as you treated Tevin Jenkins, all right? Um, I Right, Darnell Wright, I think, was the best tackle, but I wanted the left tackle and not the right tackle. Darnell Wright was my second, the second tackle that I wanted, Um, and I don't even f- feel like talking about him moving right now. You got him in right. Not saying that that's what we're going to do, but that's what some people have mentioned. You Got him in right, leave him in right, or whatever, because even... Down there in Tennessee, when he was playing left uh, his junior year, he he wasn't as good as he was at right. Um, so the Donna right pick, Chris, is a very good pick. Um, you've solidified. You needed a tackle. This is why I didn't want Pete Skaronski. Do not tell me that hey, this guy is this, but he can do that. Because when you tell me he can do that, you're going to be tempted to do that if he fails. And you already knew with his measurables. And we see the, that the Bears are big on measurables. That's all these players <clears> in this draft had. RAS scores over eight all right like it's funny because if you look at the RAS scores of some of the undrafted uh, free agents they don't have high RAS scores and to me it's cool it's not cool I see that they have something that they're doing as far as looking for tall lanky big guys I think you need players too sometimes you just got to let the tape tell you that this guy is a football oh, yeah. player you can't You can't do all measurables. It's just anybody that knows sports knows if you go looking for the guy with just a whole team full of physical traits, you're going to miss the key players that know and have that instincts that can get you over the hump. But Darnell Wright was a very good pick at uh, number 10. The Eagles knew that you weren't taking Jalen Carter, and they gave you a fourth-round pick next year um, as you were staring them down, staring down the barrel of a gun. Um, you got a fourth rounder from next year, which in this year is technically a fifth rounder since it's not next year. Um, I, like the, I like the right move. Um, they solidify their offensive line um, for right now. Depending on what happens with Braxton Jones, and you're putting Cody Whitehair back at center. Cody can block at center, but we all know Cody has exchange problems at times at center. Um, so we'll see. Um, I don't trust uh, um, Lucas. Um, Lucas Thank you, Lucas. I was about to say Patterson. I don't trust Lucas Patrick. Um, he played terrible at guard. Um, so how could I, and this this is a funny thing too. It's funny before last season, uh, we were talking, this is when Josh Rock just joined us on under center. And I was like, you know, what's funny. People keep talking about Lucas Patrick. Like he was a starter for green Bay and like you're bringing over him to be a starter. Who knows how well he's going to be over here, getting starts compared to doing spot duty in green Bay. And then I said to him, and people keep saying Cody Whitehair is going to be Cody Whitehair, and this may be the year where Father Time finally catches up with him. And both were true, unfortunately. I, and I like Cody Whitehair. But um, depending on Lucas Patrick's frightens me, to be honest. Um, hopefully he's better. Um, but, again, to get back to your initial question, Chris, the first-round pick, I think the Bears did a pretty good job with their first-round pick. I think uh, Darnell Wright's going to be a really nice tackle. Again, I would have preferred a left tackle, and but they believe in Braxton Jones more than I do.
0: Kenneth, I have a question for you because I, I I was very impressed. And I think one of the issues that the White Sox have been that are currently in right now is the mistakes that the White Sox have made during the draft day. Uh, Alec Thomas, not going with the person that you know, kind of trying to get smart. But I liked when, he, he, when they asked him after the draft the next day, and people thought that he was going to talk about the kid's personal life. And he stayed away from that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I didn't pick him was because in the combine, he showed overweight showed up overweight. Yeah. And in that one specific drill, he was like, he quit. Mm-hmm. And then I, we went with the guy that might not be as talented right now, but we know he's not going to quit. I, I really love the thought process of that, like from a GM standpoint, that they went beyond just like, this guy's a great player. And I think that the White Sox is going to learn something from that. And I want to get your take on that. That's also something very like we saw that pace is doing. That's very different from other GMs is that he's actually looking at the players that he's actually drafting, not just the tool set. Like, he's actually going in there and figuring out and they're going through this process of, like, how can they handle things mentally? I and mean, that's a right. huge, huge win when you're building a, 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 a something for the future.
3: Uh, listen, I, I totally agree. Even even further, and you can see Paul's scouting acumen from how he talks about, and we will I know we'll talk about, like, Dexter and Pickens, but how he breaks down, for instance, why. Because, look, when I watch the tape, on Dexter, I'm like, Lord, this kid's this kid's physical numbers are crazy, but he's not getting off the ball like I would think he gets off. Getting off yeah, the ball, yeah, he's not firing and off it,
2: at the line. He's
3: not because I mean, even accidentally, you you can just you just fire off. I mean, if you're that if you're six six and you're running a four eight, all right, with that much weight on you, dog, you are in the backfield. But when forget height, you're in the backfield. Of, huh, all right, but when you hear polls talk about. Listen, I'm, I'm backing up and looking at how they're coaching him and what they were asking him to do, right? Uh, a deeper understanding than just somebody like me. I'm, I'm not as versed as Ryan Pole's at scouting. Like that, I'd be, that's an insult if I would act like I was a scout. You know what I'm saying? And people that are really doing that job or something like that. Um, yeah, I think it's very sound. And how it, when it helps with the White Sox, I don't know, Ozzy. Like, I don't. Do you think right now you said something that's very
0: true when he is talking about drafts okay you're like man this guy knows this stuff and you don't put yourself in the same conversation as him but when it comes to Rick Hahn every single person including myself I'm like oh I can make a better pick than him and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing I'm being serious because yeah. like just as a fan you're like for the first time in a long time in Chicago sports, the draft happened. And I was like, man, that guy really knows. Like, he seems like he knows what he's doing. It was like, kind of like a feel, like the way when he's talking to you. And he might, <laughs> again, they might not win anything. But the way that, the, like the, from a self-confidence standpoint, I'm like, man, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And I feel with other general managers, and especially right now with the Chicago White Sox, when he's talking, like when they're talking to me, I'm just like, lies, lies. I know more than this guy. You're full of it. Like, like, I'm li- I'm literally going to guys on Twitter and being like, this guy probably make a better GM. I, I kept saying it, like, Pedro Graffol is a better GM than the guy they have right now, and he's managing. Like, I've said that comment. So, it really – it puts it into perspective of, as a fan, as a fan, when you really like someone in the franchise, put someone in charge that you believe in, that mm-hmm. your, your whole demeanor changes of, like I- – I- like, I'm pumped up about the Bears. Like, I was like – I went there and I was like, I-, I think we can win the division. Like, we won three games last year. But it's because the confidence level – that Paul hasn't said we're going to win. We're going to do this. It's just by the way that how he, how he talks. And he's really earning that trust that the white side says that we're going to earn. But I don't think that right now that I, I don't think they're in that same page. And I really think it's because we think that he really has that credibility.
3: Oh, I think it's too, because he has a clean page. You know what I'm saying? Like he hasn't yeah. messed up yet, you know, compared to we've seen when you look at Rick Hahn, there's been too many missteps for us to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, and I'll say this: getting back to to to, to uh, Ryan Poles, I, I'm at this point, I'm going to be critical of Ryan Poles until after next season and after next year's draft and the free agency, because then I have a lot more time to take in exactly what he's doing. Because right now. Like, this year kind of gave us a window into his tra- into the traits that these guys are going high-ras. Because last year, they didn't have enough picks for us to know, okay, what does he really like? Like, you know what I'm saying? Now we yeah. know, oh... You like guys with crazy measurables. Now we got to find out, like I was saying before, will that bite you in the butt? You look at a team like the Vikings, who is ironically, like the Bears last year, they only had like six picks this year. They went with tape guys. Those guys had lower RAS scores or whatever, and they brought in Jordan Addison. I'm not saying that the Bears are going to fail from what they did, but it, now we're starting to learn what Brian Pose likes. Um, with the, I'll say this too, to, to get a recon And I, I'm talking to you. I like it because you have a window inside, that none of us had growing up or even still to this day at times how I don't know if I should blame, blame Rick Hahn because the purse strings aren't opened up sometimes. Like, like it's, it gets to the point where are we trying to go for it? Or are we not trying to go for it? Cause if we're trying to go for it, I want you to blow the wad. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're in this window and you're talking about like, yo, this was the, the windows opening up and now pe- people are saying it's shut. Well, one day, one way to open it up is to spin some bread to cover up some of the stink here. So like when when, when and you were saying this, Ozzy, as far as does Rick Hahn know where some of the holes are? And I think it could be a mix of no, and also arrogance because you're like, hey, I assembled this. This is going to be the same way I kind of what I was saying about Braxton Jones. Ryan Poles, and that's one thing I, he says everyone was competing. Dude, you gave Braxton Jones a pass because you thought you found a gym we'll see did you we'll see if you found it i'm not saying that braxton jones physically and we also got to look at where he came from in southern utah he didn't have a weight training nutrition like some of these big time programs in sec and big ten have so okay he has a year now in a professional team with professional trainers professional coaches professional nutrition i also i like braxton jones character it's just i thought he it was unfair how they treated some people platoon and jenkins but he yeah, had braxton jones it was like hey you out there learn do your thing or whatever i don't i didn't find that fair and it showed that you had a favorite because you drafted one guy and you didn't draft this other guy um but again i, I like what ryan's pose is doing so far the dexter uh the, the jervon dexter question and, and it's funny i had in a mock draft i had the bears taking terrell smith and jervon dexter so i hit on two um but with dexter Man, he, he, he better do something. You know what I'm saying? Because both of your tackles, your three techniques slash nose tackle, however you said they're going to be hybrids, they didn't put up crazy numbers. Pickens played better at South Carolina um, than 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 Jervon did at Florida. But I'll say this: man, they had a nice draft. Like you, you have one when you when you leave a draft. To be honest with you, if you leave a draft and there's one player that you kind of like, hmm, and you had like ten selections, man, you had a draft. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, they they had – I have to say, you, you. we all knew they needed a cornerback. They brought in two. But, you know, Stevenson looks like he's going to be starting outside of Jalen Johnson. And depending on what happened with Jalen Johnson's contract, he may be using someone that can step in one day. Um, you look at the fact that you got your book in cool. tackle. You look at the fact that they went ahead and brought in – let me pull out my uh, – Tyler Scott out of Sensi. Dude, everyone in yeah, their mother knew they needed a receiver, right? Yeah, this, be, this,
2: hey, he the type to blow the doors off too. I, I, right.
1: Yeah. So wow right now, great. He doesn't have a right there.
3: He doesn't hey, have you know more, do you know more
0: football than you do baseball? I think you do. N- yeah, I know
3: more football than but baseball, I
0: know but Bennett, I know you do, but I think Jay oh. right here,
2: Dragon Rider. Don't
0: worry about that. Don't worry about that. I, I think I'm you're the guy. All I think you're the football guy under under uh, no, but I'm gonna be honest though, like I, I can't just said something about the window of when you're judging someone and why I'm giving your full the benefit of the doubt right now. He's a first year manager. I don't care how big of a genius you are, when you're a first big league year manager, it's gonna take you some time to pick up the um, you know, just pick up how the pace of the game and how it goes. I'm, I'm judging Ethan Katz that much harder now than I did two years ago because I'm like, you should have know better by now on this stuff. Uh, just like Rick Han today, okay? I judge him a million times harder than I did in 2013. Mm-hmm. So when people are like, "Oh, you're being extra negative," it's like, no, like, no. We know we, we have proved since 2013. And so when there's rumors out on Twitter that said, "Oh yeah, the Chris Sale trade was great," but the original trade that they had on the table was for Devers. Kopech and Ben Attendee, but the Sox didn't pull the trigger fast enough, then you say, okay, was that, is he that good as they say they are? So I think polls is like, we're getting to see the story of like polls is in a position like when Rick was there and he was building this thing and now we're at the end of like with Rick and it's like with polls no one can say anything because they have to wait and see what it all comes out well, to. Well, I, uh,
2: it's like when they say, let the man cook, you can let the man cook, but he still is responsible for serving a dish. I feel like early, it's it's early in uh, Pol's regime, like Kenny said, but at the same time, if when you're going to hold somebody to the regard that you have. Also, Kenneth, y'all, Kenneth, y'all.
3: People don't call him Kenny in the streets. Yeah, please. All right. Ken, Ken or <laughs> Kenneth, but because people, it's not, and it's not y'all. It's All people bad. in the streets All are going to think that's the move, and that is not the move.
2: All right, <laughs> my bad kid. Matter of fact, now it's we not have it's, to not, a it's bit not it's
3: not out of an anger or anything. but, but yeah. But
2: yeah, the, uh I was just gonna say, like well, o, to OJ's point, like it's been since 2013. There's some type of standard. I can I can fly off the handle when Rick Rick Hahn has a misstep, rather where it's Ryan Poles to where no, he's still in his infancy. And no one's called
0: him a genius.
3: Mm, yeah. No That's one's real. called him a genius yet. You know something's interesting too, and it, it may not be right, but it's something that you just brought up because I didn't know about the Devers being involved when, Lord, he looked nice in a White Sox uniform. I knew, I knew we all know he loved Ben Attendee and actually he's pulling the Kenny move where I'm going to get that guy sooner or later. It can be Junior Griff, 15 years past his prime. I'm going to bring Roberto Alomar back Manny Ramirez. five times. All right. Yeah. Manny Ramirez. Oh, by the way, Carl oh we, we got to bring Carl Everett back too. You know what did make? Carl Crawford he wanted him so
0: bad. I lost the bet because by the way, this is Kenny. Kenny's probably only hit on 50% of the old dudes. He wanted to bring. Okay. Cause he's always like he, cause he's always like guys that are like, you know, solidified and, mm-hmm. and happen. But again, I, I, the Benettoni one, I think that when you come obsessed with a player, you're going to get him sooner or later because so, you're obsessed so, with that.
3: So when you just said that though, it made me think about something Ryan Poe says when he made the trade with Carolina, he talked about being too greedy. And sometimes I'm like, what do you mean being too greedy? But if, you know, being too greedy to a certain extent what he was saying, it's like if all three of us was robbing a bank and one of us stopped sticking to the script and starts going, it's taking more money. And we said, we got two minutes. We got to get out. And then all of a sudden Chris is like, nah, man, I'm going in the vault even deeper. And we're like, dude, we have to plan It's timed out. We have to get out. And, pole sat there got a number one receiver which because you the crazy thing about this would have been this year too we were going to put so much this wasn't a receiver draft right we were going to put so much stress on that receiver they drafted to be our number one receiver like it was it you it was going to be unfair it was gonna be like man you have to do this justin and they went out and got a guy that can come in right away just play with some some haphazard quarterbacks play with cam with a bad arm bad cam you know what i'm saying like you got a guy that's put up a thousand yards with Lord knows who under center, all right, and DJ Moore, right, and then you got a number one pick next year and a number two pick the year after that, um, and you still and you still stayed in the top ten. So it, that's to the point of when you're saying with Rick Hahn not pulling the trigger and getting what you want right away, then dilly dallying and waiting because you think you could perhaps get more, and then you end up with less instead of what you could have initially had.
1: They timed it perfectly. Yeah. They did. It, it, and, and you know
3: what? This is I'm sorry, Chris, last part. You know how we yeah. know they timed it perfectly? Because nobody else traded up to get a quarterback. So when us Bears fans was dreaming our asses off, we're going to make four trades. Look, we're going to trade back to Houston. Then we're going to trade back to the Colts, right? Because yeah. everyone was like, yo, every, <laughs> it's going to be a run on quarterbacks. It's going to be a run on man Chris Ballard the coach general manager who used to work for the bears sat his ass there at four all right and got his quarterback he look the Houston sat there and was like dude i don't care who falls to me right like it was it we we, we were sitting here like we control everything the Sox got they there was only one team willing to really make a move when when we come to find out or maybe One team willing to get the number one player and give up what the Bears wanted to get the number one player. We were not as fortunate as what we thought we were, and the team. A lot of teams didn't value these quarterbacks. Nobody cared about Will Levis. Will Levis was yeah. When I got Caleb
2: Williams, dropped. I'm not gonna sell the farm for
3: right. (laughs) Caleb, you're waiting for 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 what Dre, whatever his name in North Carolina. Caleb Williams at USC Uh, Drake May. Yeah, Drake made that's all you way so it's like I'm I'm coming back next year. These guys I I am not thirsting for these guys like that. So again, I'll say this, being someone who is ignorant, not knowing, you know what I'm saying, total inner workings, he got the pro he got the best deal probably that he can get because there was no movement. You know what I'm saying? Like it it was what it was and you brought in a stud receiver, you got a number number 1 and you got a number 2. He did a hell of a job going out there and making that trade and just moving down a nut. Bears win the
0: division. Pack it in. You're a homer. You're Eric, a homer. I am a homer. For the Bears, you know what? I am. I have not been this positive. I think the Vikings are the worst team in NFL history, so I always have them losing. The Lions are the Lions. And Aaron Rodgers is no longer on the Packers, and I don't believe that they can do it. They. I don't think that the football gods are, are, are that horrible of football gods to so bring a third amazing quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> the <Right. laughs> Packers hitting the third but again
2: Jordan Love is a light-skinned legend you better be careful I'm just saying though
0: I'm just I'm hoping I'm hoping again it's like Barb and then Aaron and then I'm hoping that they you know they get a bad one I, get, I hope that there's a bad quarterback for them for a little bit but I think that moving forward uh, and again time does so, everything because today the reason that that Rick Khan has so much pressure on him is because finally he got everything he wanted Okay, because the years before it was, oh, it's Tony's fault. He didn't get the manager he wanted so he can't, you know, do his crazy stuff that he's doing. But in reality, now we're looking at it and say, okay, but no moves were made. And and, and by the way, they did give him the money, but did he spend the money right? Did he try to get too kind of sneaky and smart and like, oh, I'm going to, you know. And the part that's funny is like you make comments like, Romy Gonzalez is the next Ben Zobris, and then... He's not Ben Zobris. He's like Ben Zobris, but Ben Zobris was in fourth grade in middle school. Like, he's not Ben Zobris. Like, Ben Zobris maybe today, like old retired Ben Zobris, but he's not Ben Zobris. I still
2: think Ben Zobris could hit 250 in this. Probably, thing.
0: but I'm saying that he oversells, so I don't know like, when he's coming off as genuine. And, again, we can go back to press conference conversations. Uh, press conference tell a lot about someone, and that this this week's press conference with Jerry wasn't a press conference, but the talk that he had at the sports summit they didn't give him any credit. Why? Because there's video, and if you know, he was very candid about a lot of things that people look, took off the same way. Same thing when Greg Connor's in front of the camera and he was talking. He there's a lot of questions they asked him that he wasn't like very happy about. You know, he was doing the shaking his head and he grabbed the water and he turned. When you've been around the media so much and you start analyzing that, you start seeing you know people are getting frustrated. The questions that you're asking me. So like I think Rick's in a really really hard situation. I'm Rick needs to think his, his gods or God that Kenny Williams is in a great place and will not fire him because I thought that the move, my personal move, if I was Kenny in Kenny's shoes, I would have called Rick and said, Hey man, it's like, when you're going to go to the mob and you got to go do time. It's like, somebody's got to bite the bullet. I still love you. You will get your money. We will bring you back on later on when nobody's paying attention as a consultant or something but you need—you're gonna get fired. Like you're gonna stand in front of this, and you're gonna take—you know—you're gonna take the beheading. And the fact that he hasn't done it yet, I would have fired him. I would have fired uh, maybe the pitching coach, uh, maybe the assistant general manager. I, I would have done something just because that's what you do to save face. The fact that he hasn't done it yet really tells me about the relationship, how close they really are. Because yeah, that would have been.
1: Before we get back to the White Sox, I just want to wrap up this draft. And to be honest, Kenneth, um, as far as I see it, 9 and 10 there, I think Jalen Carter, um, he wound up in the best possible environment. He could probably end up with learning behind Fletcher Cox there and that defensive line in Philly. Great for him. That's that's where he needs to be. It's not going to be here in Chicago. Um, But at the end of the day, the Bears got the – what I believe, I agree with you, I believe they got the best tackle in the draft, and that's where I was hoping they would go to begin with. Um, again, we had to see where the draft took us, and I'm happy that's where it ended in that first round. Um, however, I personally enjoyed day three more so than I did in day two because, like Absolutely. you said, I I liked Scott, that wide receiver pick. That was a great value pick. Loved it. Terrell Smith, the cornerback the that you just mentioned, Another value uh, pick later. In the, or, and then you had Roshon Johnson. Mm-hmm. That guy that's, is that's a man. That was nice. That's Biden, going to be nice. <laughs> Behind Robinson, we saw what he did over there in Texas. But not only the play, but that's a true character, too, in your locker room. They, yeah. uh, I, didn't see, I didn't see many draft picks. We know all the talk, you know, the, the talk talk. But, like, you get legitimate talk about his character and that's what we need, you know, in this locker room while, while we're building a culture or fluce with his philosophy. That's what I'm excited to see him being added to, um, not only locker room, but even that running back, you know, you know, backfield that they got going. Losing Montgomery, I thought that was a character guy that he's gone, and I hopefully this kid steps up into his shoes. And it always seems like, you know, we, we go from Forte to Montgomery you know i don't know if it's going to be Rashan next but i'm excited to see what he can do in that backfield with the speed with Justin as quarterback you know it's going to be exciting but to go back to day 2 um i just didn't understand that th- those the selection there at, at that point i was kind of hoping that they would trade up for Foskey um off the edge oh, yeah. Foskey um, was on my list.
3: He was, he was there for so long. He seemed like an Ibrahfoo's guy. Round. He seemed like an oh, guy man. so much. Foskey was on the list, but you know, okay, so but you know what, you know what happened though, and I might say this: it's what happened when you trade for Chase Claypool. They don't right. forget. They had the first pick in the second round, right? And you, and they, you could remember. Have you could have both of them. Remember, so the the, the Packers because Aaron Rodgers won a receiver. The Packers were in on Claypool, and the Steelers looked at it as far. And the Bears, of course, offered the pick that they got from Baltimore by trading Roquan Smith. But, of course, the Steelers know with the Bears sucking that your pick's going to be higher than the Baltimore's pick. I want your pick. And to bring in Chase Claypool, the Bears made that trade, and there goes the first pick in the second round, where even if the Bears either stood there and took an edge rusher, as you just said, or even still moved back a a few slots – so the Steelers could come up and get Joy Porter Jr. or let me even say this since they brought in Tariq Stevenson, the Bears could have took Joy Porter Jr. Who if you you look, you talk about the type of stuff that Eberflus likes a length, kid almost 62, we know the bloodlines, you know what I'm saying? It's the type of the type of quarterback he is. And again, I'm not I'm by no means am I dissing Ryan Poes for trading for Chase Claypool because that was a clear sign that they were in on Justin then. We knew then it was like, okay, Justin's their guy because Justin's been hot. Now they're giving him something to work with. We all were down with the Chase Claypool trade. So I'm not saying, oh, you messed up. I'm just pointing out, as of right now, we were wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. look, a chance if if Chase Claypool comes here, and it's very difficult as football to come in midseason through, learn a playbook that the offense itself is learning. You know what I'm saying? Like let's Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. offense is learning that this is they don't know Getsy's system like that. They're getting used to Gesicki system and here you come and now you have to come in and learn it also. So uh, it's not that Chase Claypool may not play better this year, but if Chase Claypool was that guy, good chances they would have gotten more out of the trade than bringing in another receiving DJ Moore. So it even kind of tells you how like yo, we got to cover our ass ass as far as that, but to to, uh, to your point, as far as getting the edge rusher, and this goes with Ryan Poe sticking to what he likes. I because I knew with the edge rushers that were left there in the third round, if you look at their measurables, they weren't Poles Ibrafou's guys, and that's where it was like, oh, they're not drafting these guys. You know what I'm saying? Because you're talking about guys who can get off the ball, but they're six feet, six foot one. You Know what I'm saying? So, like a guy that I knew they wouldn't get, and that sometimes he may get beaten to run, even though his run efficiency is crazy at Georgia. Man, I love Nolan Smith. My, I know Nolan Smith is a dog, and I'm just not talking about a bulldog. I know he is a dog, right? Now, I didn't think you wanted to overslot him at nine. Look where he failed at 30. You know what I'm saying? So, if you drafted him at nine, even though if you got if you want somebody, go get him. We had Jim Nagy, uh, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, joined us two weeks ago, and we were talking about Darnell Wright. And I asked him, I said, "Okay, the, a lot of people still talking about the Bears moving back, and Darnell Wright may be there, for instance, at 12, 13. What if they just move back and get him there?" He said, "Don't, don't be cute." And Ryan pose wasn't cute. He went out and got, he moved back one slot and got his guy in Darnell Wright. You know what I'm saying? But I, when you're talking about it, it's funny. I love that you said day three. Yeah. Day three, Chris, if they didn't do what they did on day three, I'd be lighting the ass up right now. All right. Like I would be lighting that ass up so hot out of what the fuck are you doing? All right. But when you come mm-hmm. back and knock the ball out the park day three, it makes the scratching of Jervon Dexter. If it, it, Jervon Dexter plays well, it, look, I'll say this with Dex, Dexter and Pickens, if one of them's a starter and another one's a rotational guy, they did they did damn well. You know what I'm saying? If both of them can right. start, it's crazy. That would be crazy. But also, sometime with the draft, we got to take a step back. They're not about to hit on all these guys, all right? Like mm-hmm. that. That's that's like they're not about. This is not. Jim Finks and like the 83, 84, 85. You you're not hitting on all of these right. guys. for you know long like Kenneth? what?
0: a team cannot hit on other prospects? I know it's Every crazy. Person they have there, I guess. They stop like playing, man. What's wrong? Hey, He's being on. honest. Look at the White Sox. You guys think everybody's gonna hit? Kenneth is keeping it real. He's gonna say some some of these guys that they drafted are gonna be fast, and that that's okay.
3: Right. It's, you got to hit, hit on more than you. got hit on more than you. Then you. you guys, you miss on. No, but yeah. all of these guys aren't going to be dudes, you know. Like, if look, if Ryan Poles can do that, I'm not—I'll never doubt him moving forward. Even when he's wrong, I'd be like, "Yo, and Poles, I trust." You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if he can pull yeah. that off, where, let's just say, eighty percent of these dudes are here and are providing for this team, dude, he's—he—he he owns the city. That he, he owns the city. If he could pull off something, but what, like I just said, it's—it's it's not going to happen. It's just that's just but how life was, goes.
1: But- Kenneth, this right. was his very first off season, officially. So, like you said earlier, we need to go allow this season to go on, because next season is going to be the biggest part of it. That's a second off season in full, and that's going to lead us to where we want it with our expectations as Bears fans, and that's where we're going to end up at. And uh, I'm excited where in the direction that he's taken us, not only in Iberflus and polls but also the, the new team president. I mean, all the 3 headed monster that they just created there, that's exciting. That's something we haven't seen in Chicago in, in a while as far as a front office goes. Um, but, Kenneth, let our fans know where they can find you as we wrap this up with you. Um, give us shout-outs and uh, where we can find you at. Uh,
3: you can always check me out on That Davis Show. That's my independent show. Um, You can find me every Wednesday on NBC sports at 5 30 PM with the under center podcast. So wherever you watch your Sox, Blackhawks, and your bulls, you can find, they rerun the hell out of it. So you can, you can check that out there. Please subscribe to the under center podcast and that Davis show. Follow me at that's Davis. i appreciate you gentlemen, Uh, everybody. I hope if you're out, you get home safe and I look forward to talking to you guys down the road, man. And you guys be safe.
2: Thank you. Yeah,
3: Richard. thanks for stopping on, Kenneth. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, y'all have a good one.
1: Thanks, you. Kenneth. We appreciate having Take you. Time. Take care, man. All right, everyone, that was Kenneth Davis of the Under Center Podcast. Not only does he know Sox, but he knows a whole lot more also about the Bears. The and we Bears. Are just happy to have him on. And He's uh, doing now that. we can. Now we can get going on wrapping the rest of the show up because uh, that was a lot of bears talk. So, Justin, we got some mean ass tweets coming our way now.
2: Woo! Oh boy.
1: Bring it. <laughs> Begin this rapid fire of tweets because there was a lot going on on Twitter this week. We're going to begin off first off. Let's show the picture of uh Pedro and Ozzy. Um, might as well wrap yeah. this up real quick.
2: What the fuck were they talking about,
1: Junior? Yeah, tell us that a little bit of that advice and then we'll just go on after this. I hope he
2: was saying hanging on
0: Rick, hanging on Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he was telling him that. Um you know, I, I think that it's very unique because number one, I think obviously they're both Latino. So I think that in Chicago, a lot of people, including White Sox fans themselves, they don't give credit, okay, um, to people like Ozzy. I think like Ozzy is just someone that like pulled it out of a Wheaties box. The fact that he was a big, big league manager for the White Sox for that long. And I think that, It's when you're a manager, not to say that it's as important as being the president of the United States, but it's a position that I think that only people that have gone through it understand what it really takes and the emotions that you go through Um, as a person. I'm going to be honest, man. We were talking about it the other day when they lost the 10th game. My mom said, I really hope that his family and his wife are handling it because, you know, they're new to Chicago. They're chanting sell the team. They're probably in the stands, like, what the fuck just happened? Like, and that's the part of the game that you know you kind of know that you share that with them, and you know every, everything's fun, but we, my like, she, my mom knows what his wife's going through, you know, wins and losses. And for Ozzy, he's the only person in that ballpark that has sat in that chair that Pedro has sat in, that has gone in a seven-plus game losing streak, um, who has brought back a team from the dead. Okay, he's the only person that's done it. Look, not Rick, not Kenny, not Jerry. So when they talk, you know, maybe if they're just talking about the weather, it's, I think that when you have a manager in that sense, you really, they probably are looking eye to eye and 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 just be, and I, and I think Pedro's a, a real baseball guy that he gets that. Um, and I think their conversations are, you know, it's. I don't think they ever talk like X's and O's and if, I, you know, Pedro asked Ozzy for an advice or whatever, Ozzy would give it to him. But I, I think, really think that, you know, they're just, Ozzy's probably like, if I was in Pedro's shoes, this is what I would like someone to probably come up to me and, and make sure that it's normal. And and he knows what he's, you know, he's, he's there. And, and, you know, if Ozzy can tell him and say, hey, you're managing like shit, I'm sure he would tell him. Because uh, he used to do it to Tony very often. Uh, obviously, he's been very vocal about that. Uh, but if he is not, if he is managing one, he's doing things right, which sometimes players don't perform, then he is going to tell him that because sometimes fans believe it or not, managers do all the right moves and pale don't execute. Or when you go something about the right way, which he just did with Louis Robert, just because you bench Louis Robert doesn't mean that Louis Robert is going to become Mike Trout, but it doesn't mean that Pedro Graffold didn't do the right thing. So exactly. I think that just that conversation, and I think just the, just the optics of it, of somebody like Ozzy coming out and, 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 and lending a hand and, you know, everybody, it's no secret that he was a number two, you know, in the conversations. I know Pedro knows that Ozzy was probably considered, God, the guy is walking through the halls of Chicago White Sox and it's like, the only pictures of the only winning season is all Ozzy. You know, it's not like, it's like a ghost for him to be there and, and to have the support of Ozzy, just even if it's like, hey, what's up, Ozzy going? I think it, it's great for the optics of like what the fans are doing. Because I think the fans are turning on him. I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Right there when they were in those 10 wins, I think that that press conference world, people were getting really kind of annoyed and and coming after Pedro. Uh, People were like, bring Ozzy back, fire Pedro with a three-year deal. It's like, what what are you guys talking about? Let the guy do his job. So I think the optics and it's just, you know, lending uh, lending support. Ozzy knows, man. Ozzy knows that it's not, that Pedro is, again, he's going to make decisions that affect the game, but that he is not the one that you have to blame for the situation that they're in. Mm.
2: Okay. Uh, OJ, uh, we talked about Andrew Vaughn a little bit today. Gonzo got into a back and forth over whether he was a first-round bust. Gonzo uh, C-Sack on Twitter really got you hot and bothered. Can you take me through this thread for a second?
1: Yeah, so ultimately when it comes down to it is – uh. Listen, I don't know how you can call him a bust when you brought him up and you're automatically playing him out of position. Like, this is our true shot at seeing what Vaughn truly is. And I know when I was in Chicago, me and Junior were talking, in that office of his right there, and I mentioned to him, I'm like, hey, this kid, no one's talking about it. And, like, Baseball USA, they put a really poor report on him defensively but I'm not sure if they're actually paying attention to this kid of, like, what he was doing in college, but he's fundamentally sound Yeah. at first. He's probably the best defensive first baseman I've seen fundamentally since. Gosh, you gotta go years. Like, I put him... At his age right now, he's better than what Pito was in 2012. Now I'm talking about the fundamentals at the bag. Like, I'm not, and that's just, defensively, like, when you go to his bat, well, I mean, granted, we all saw that he uh, produced him last year, Peto, but it's going to take a little bit for me to even put him, you know, offensively wise ahead of Peto because that's just not true. But defensively, he's sound. And I'm excited to see, not only am I excited to see what he's going to do the rest of the season at first, but I think he's going to show a lot of people wrong and, like, Everyone's we have this perspective of him just because what have we seen from him out in the outfield? Which he was right. playing out of an, again, what...
0: that Twitter was an idiot. What's the word bus mean? If Andrew Bond's a bus, then just burn up this organization. And why are you even with CSAC? I'm just saying though, why are you even a White Sox fan if you think that Andrew Bond – if you think Andrew Bond's a bus, must be the most miserable human being. Watching the Chicago White Sox. And this Sounds is like from, a White I'm, Sox fan. I'm being serious. This is coming from someone that you guys know that I, I'm associated to the White Sox, but I'm not like a, I'm not like you guys like a diehard. Like if this guy is literally forcing himself to watch this, and you think that Andrew Vaughn's a bust, you have to reconsider your life, my friend. And this is why Andrew Vaughn is a better first baseman defensively than Jose Abreu was at any point in his career. Okay, he's a natural first baseman. He's a kid that's been playing first base since he was like probably like in Little League. You look at him at their – he doesn't make plays that look like hard plays. He makes them look easy because he's a natural. So he's a great first base in there offensively. On the bat side, he's way too early for us to start saying if he's a bust or not. Why? When Jose Abreu came over to the United States to play with the Chicago White Sox, he was a grown-ass man, okay? He wasn't a rookie, okay, with minor league experience. He was a grown-ass man. Okay, mm-hmm. White Sox didn't develop a Abreu. Abreu came out walking and talking. So when everyone's thinking like, "Oh, we made Jose Abreu," no, 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 no. Jose Abreu came as a grown ass man. Think Ichiro, Puerto Rican version, uh, Cuban version, Jose Abreu. So Andrew Vaughn, literally, out of all the White Sox prospects, he is the only one with no minor league experience. Okay, literally, guy just got thrown into the fire. Uh, what was it called the whatever C squad that they had in Schaumburg in the boomers where they yeah. had like the P that was his only minor league experience. He's been able to produce. Okay. He's been able to hang himself into the big leagues out of that group. He's the one that's shown the most potential, but I think that he is number. He is not a bust. Okay. Pantera destroyed minor league baseball. Made it look like it was like little league baseball for him. And he struggled in, in, in the, in the big leagues, but why don't they like Andrew Vaughn? because they like the swagger. Andrew Vaughn is boring. He hits home runs and looks at you like you, one eye's here, one eye's there. Uh, he's just an awkward, just a guy that likes hitting, and he's just there to play baseball. But I, I think that he's a real baseball player. I think that if the White Sox had more guys like Andrew Vaughn, there you go, I think that the team would be better off. But the team got so- No, the team got sold on swagger. The team got sold on having nine TAs. And we've seen that that has not been the case because when you get guys like Moncada, again, Andrew Vaughn has kept himself in the lineup. We've had issues with injuries. So I don't think that he's a bust. Again, I think when I look at a big league player, I when you have a first rounder or a second rounder, you're not, you don't have to be a Hall of Famer, okay? All you need to do is have a big league player that plays every single
2: day for 140-plus games, and they have that in Andrew Vaughn. He's an everyday big league player. Man, look, I think the White Sox have been chasing the Fernando Tatis when they needed a, a caliber. They didn't
0: know that they had Fernando Tatis in the minor leagues. Why do they keep talking about Tatis? The White Sox yeah. didn't even know that he was in their system, okay? that's no, The White Sox fans didn't know that he was in the system. No, is I'm like, just, no, I'm just
2: saying, I'm just saying, not, not like Tatis type of success. I'm talking about like the swagger. And the flair when it, when they need a cal rip, oh, somebody flare, eat, they, just, they should just sign Bad Bunny every day.
0: Just sign Bad Bunny into a baseball big league deal. He'll have all the swagger in the world, Benito. I'm just saying, like, just looking from a baseball perspective, like he is not. The word "bust" means that you are not making. What's your
2: favorite league? Bad Bunny song, OJ? uh
0: I think TT the TT song. He wants to take the girls to the VIP. He's got a lot of good songs. He's a little weird in his outfits, but he's got he's got swag. But again, if people want swag, then go get a musician or somebody. I just think that. I don't know. I don't
1: know what Jason's watching at first base. If he doesn't think he's defensively his
0: sound, his scouting grade of defense was trash.
1: Jason's friends with this guy.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I don't agree with that, and I went to scout yeah. school. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I don't think that his defense is trash.
2: Here, he's just going on a tangent now, OJ. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna right. it. Again, so We're gonna are move
0: the, on to who are we over, okay, here are we who are we rating him against? But the word bust, you can say that Andrew Bond sucks and then you don't like him and he looks weird on camera, but the word bust is a little over the top.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I got we got something else because there's another terrorist on the internet. His name is the Chicago Italian Bull. Now let me tell you. <laughs> Gonzo, what is his
0: name? The Italian Chicago? Oh, he's not one of those food people, right? Or is that a chicken in his hand? I don't
2: know. Like I, I have the man blocked on six accounts. I've never, I've never heard. This guy up
0: last year, me, this year. If you want to get on the nitty gritty, C's was only two elite months last year.
1: Oh my god, he went after C's. Yeah, he went after C's, uh, man.
0: Did he know that C's finished second in the Cy Young?
1: Yeah, that's not, and that's only I guess apparently on this post right. Only here, that's two only months. Based off, he, that he was it's only, only two, months. two months. He did that on two months. Which... Just
0: two months. He was he was a national. He was a runner up to the Cy Young in two months. These are the idiots that write. Ozzy Gian was a clown. He got lucky in twenty. Oh, in hold on.
1: We're getting to that. We're getting to that. On oh, the oh, that like
0: 2 I'm just saying though. This guy's an idiot. Why are we even talking about him? He did this in two months. That he just pitched every day.
1: Yeah, and, and he told me it's not to be nitty person. gritty. Yeah, yeah. And I t- you, you told you him, well, technically, technically, he was putting elite numbers up in three months. But not only was he putting up those numbers in I those three months, but he was historic during that stretch where it was only him and Bob Gibson putting up those numbers. Like, if you're in that category, Bob Gibson, Hall of Famer, one of the best. He's, he's in my top five rotation, Bob Gibson, but. Like, I don't know how you can even go off on C's. Like, I get it. He had two bad starts, and all of a sudden, people want to jump on the guy. Like, if you look at the numbers, he actually is having a better start than last year through the six games. He had two rough, you know, starts in those six, but you didn't start off the year last year like you did this year versus Houston Astros going six innings on 86 pitches, no walks, 10 strikeouts. He didn't have that start a year ago. Nowhere near the efficiency he was a year ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we get, a lot has to happen for Cease to go down that stretch again. Um, but, for one, he's gonna have, this, team, this team's going to have to back him up regardless. Because last year, I don't know how he was a, a runner-up Cy Young when he had one of the worst defensive um, fielding teams behind him. And then the offense couldn't even, and for situation of baseball, they couldn't even score runs, get runs across the plate, for situation hitting. It was just atrocious. I don't know how he managed to get through to the end of the year with the numbers he put up because it was ridiculous. Look at how disgusted Gonzo
2: um, is talking about the White Sox in regard to Cease. No, he Tell doesn't. Us he how doesn't you feel, it. buddy? So, so
0: I want I want to say this. So Slav just wrote us. And just shared baseball savant the the outs above average one of the many defensive tools where where uh, where Andrew Vaughn sits last okay and this is where I go with defensive metrics defensive metrics had Mark Tian at one point higher ranked than Adrian Beltre at third base okay that's how much trash defensive metrics are and you can manipulate them and put put it there so again Ooh. outs above average. Are- That's fine, but I'm saying with my eye, I think that Andrew Vaughn is an above-average, average, average above-average first baseman. There's a lot worse guys out there playing first base. When it comes to Dylan Cease, he's going to need the team support for him to finish second in the Cy Young again. Okay, I think right now he's going through a rough patch. He had the sick game, but he's been able to battle through. Again, last year was a very special one, but do I think that he is still the ace of this team? Do I still think that... he? He is up to, to winning 14-plus games and in and, and his ERA coming down. Absolutely. When you go on a stretch of 7 and 20, no one's going to pitch good. So I think that Seas is actually on an upside for the rest of the season. But if you think that Dylan Seas is garbage, uh, you should re- just check your purpose in life and in baseball.
2: You make us sick to our fucking stomach, you bull, basically.
0: By the way, I don't even know why you guys even get into that argument. Like, you did it all in two months. But, again – Slab with this one. He is dead last in MLB because out above average. We will keep an eye on Andrew Vaughn's off defensive metrics, but I don't. And how do
1: how do nerds judge baseball players? Like I'm just curious on how they know understand the fundamentals to the game to score that like. It oh. just mind boggles me so on some of the metrics for this advanced metrics that we have, like I can get into it with advanced metrics We, used to, we some used things to that don't right? make you sense.
0: Have, like, all these guys that think they know stats, we used to get the fielding Bible. They don't even know what that is before it was even made public, before all this stuff was saying, yep. and some yep. of the stuff we would read, my Ozzy Gia, and Joy Cora, myself, my brother, we sit in a family and we'd laugh at some of the shit that these people would put in there. Because you're like, are you guys really seriously judging defense this way? Defense is one of the hardest things to judge, okay? And if you think that Andrew Vaughn sucks at first base, please send us a message, okay, directly to the blackout page, and you tell us, Mr. Genius, okay, upper deck expert, who should be playing first base? Literally, if it's not Andrew Vaughn, who should be playing first base? Because I'll put it this much. I know that you don't follow the Houston Astros, but right now Jose Abreu is sucking, sucking big time. And they're calling for him to ch- get traded for the, the Cuban they used to have before. Jose Abreu, <laughs> they want Julie back. Jose Abreu's punching home plate. Okay. Go Google him. He was punching home plate last week because he's struggling. So stop watching bait. stop watching the White Sox, turn on the Houston game, look up how Jose's doing. Cintron, the hitting coach, said, I believe in him. He's always had a crappy April, which he has, but. Who should be playing first base then? Who, who should be playing first base? Do you think Jose Abreu would have fixed this 7-20? Yeah. Do we think yeah. he would have?
1: He's also on no. the dome going through this cold stretch.
0: Before. He didn't win anything the years before. Again, great player, build him a statue, retire his number, blah, 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 blah all this stuff, move on. And Vaughn is not as crappy as everybody says he is, even though I said he was not going to hit 30 home runs this year. He is still a above average player and time will tell us what who he is. But if you have a better option for someone playing first base, please let us know. Because if he is in the White Sox front office, we will have a debate for you.
1: Yep. And that leads us to our last tweet, Justin. Oh, oh we boy. saved the best for last. Oh fuck. Junior, this is your man, Vinny Parisi. Writing in I our, think oh, that this uh,
0: I think that the South side shutdown is probably the most confused outlet out there. Okay. This is after, uh, one of the writers basically called Ozzy a clown. Who I didn't even know who he was, uh, who writes for the South side shutdown. Basically they write two types of article, one for the left, the one for the right. These basically mean on any given topic, they give you two sides on. So they're not wrong on either side. Uh, they go after Clevenger. They love Clevenger. Uh, now they want Ozzy to be the manager. Okay. We have receipts in a folder called Ozzy's receipts where Ozzy keeps all of the people's pictures and tweets and articles and whatnot. Cause we go back and we laugh at it. You know, he enjoys a cocktail and we obviously laugh at it when people are wrong. And we have pictures of, of White Sox Twitter fans, you know, with the finger, whoever wants Ozzy as the manager, all that stuff. The score came after him, uh, Barstool sports, hey, which we want to have Ozzy on. I said, go call Griffol. Like we we read and I consume more way too much information and everything gets related to Ozzy. And he reads it and we enjoy it. The fact that now you want Ozzy to be the manager, okay. Yes, he has clickbait Vinny. The fact that you want Ozzy as the manager right now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I will I judge your acumen of baseball. Because if you said that Pedro Griffo was the right manager, okay, from the start, in the press conference, and in less than a month, you're pulling back and you're saying Ozzy would have been the guy, that means you didn't know shit about baseball from the beginning and when we started this, okay? And I'm going to give you guys a tidbit, which I have not talked about. When we were on our way, okay, when Ozzy got the phone call from Rick Hahn and he was on speaker, we were leaving Bernardi, and Rick Hahn called Ozzy like six hours later, then we already knew who the manager was. And he did the oh, you know you're special for uh, blah, blah blah blah. And Ozzy, of course, he was upset. He wanted to be the manager. Of course, he was. Who doesn't want to be the manager of the team that you love? And we were driving, and like 35 minutes in, I said, you know what? I don't know if they made they didn't make the right. I don't know if they made the wrong move or they made the right move. But I'll tell you why they made this move. I said, in my opinion, if I was them, I would not want you to be the manager if we were in the middle of a rebuild. Because you would be a liability because you would tell the fans and the media the truth about the team every single day, regardless of how bad the team was. And I said, if the White Sox start off really, really bad, and in June, they're not in the middle of the pennant race, they will blow this team up, and Pedro Grifol is the best manager that you can have for a rebuild. Why? He communicates well, he's great on fundamentals, but that's not Ozzie Gian. He's never managed a rebuild. He's going to be way too vicious. So maybe that's what they have in mind. Maybe they don't think their team is as good as they say they are. And they're planning for the future. So if I'm making that assessment and this guy not only gave me life, and he is the guy who basically, in my opinion, is the greatest manager in White Sox history. And where he's like, you know what? I think they have a point. And then you move on and you're like, that's a good baseball move. If that's where they want to go. You have somebody writing an article saying now, Ozzy should have been the manager. Shut the F up. He should not be the manager. Why? Because Ozzy would be out there. And then, and then when Ozzy would go out there and call out one of the players, that same, that same media group would write an article on how Ozzy's so hard and so tough and Ozzy needs to, they need to create a safe space from players, for players because Ozzy's being too hard. Everyone wants guys like AJ Brzezinski and Ozzy again until those guys get the job. And then those guys start talking the truth. And then everybody thinks that those guys are too hard or too crazy. Dude, go go go! Google Ozzy and what the front office was talking about Ozzy and what the media was talking about Ozzy. They loved him. They loved his style. And then after 2008, when they weren't winning anymore, then they all turned on him, and his style was shit. That's what happens in baseball. So to go out there and, and not give Pedro Graffold the respect that he, that he deserves, okay, after the fact that you guys were circle jerking him, okay, everyone was in the press conference. This is the greatest manager of all time. He was talking about verticals and Xs, and he wrote – 7,000 articles on how this was the greatest hire of all time. Now you're going to turn on the guy. That's BS. I don't buy into that. And I, and I call out the BS when I see it. And that's why I shared the tweet because I was like, this is a bunch of crap and it's clickbait because you did not want Ozzy to be the manager. So now why you coming out of the woodworks and saying, Oh, we think that he should be the manager live and die with your opinion. Okay. Live and die with your opinion. And that's going to be one worse. But if you say that two years from now, and they're and they're and they're they're dead last and this organization went to shit. And you say that, man, because I say it. I told Gonzo here, Gonzo's like, what would you, what's one take that you would take back that you were completely wrong on? I was like, I think that I, I I think that I was I wanted Rick Ventura fired way too early now. Looking back, I'm like, man, maybe Ricky wasn't that bad. Maybe we didn't give him a chance that he deserved. And I go back and said, maybe I was wrong because I didn't think it was the wrong move then. But looking back now and saying, damn, I don't think that was the right move. That, making that assessment a month into the season is not cool, unless you were on an Aussie boat from the beginning and you were saying Aussie was the right guy for this team. <clears throat> Everybody said, oh, no, Pedro's going to come here with the Kansas City Magic and he's going to make them contenders right away because he's been in pennant races before. Really? <laughs> he was a translator and, and bullpen catcher. He's never been a coach like – He's a great baseball guy, but he's never been in the middle of a pennant race. This, he, this is new to him. But everyone wanted to sell their story. But now they want to ask, oh, was Pedro the right guy? Well, you guys said he was. So let, let, let's let ride Pedro out. He's got a three-year deal. Let him develop and see who he is. I am not jumping on the fire Pedro Graffal, okay, one month into the season. And that's why I claim the month of May, Pedro month. Because I would love to see Pedro Griffo go on a great run and bring this team back. So then all those people that wrote that article that bring Ozzy back look like idiots, because it's not Pedro's call. That that you know, wow, he was a horrible manager, missing the shortstop, missing the third baseman, missing Southpaw. He's missing everybody. Like he, his team's not very good. So considering today they said, oh yeah, Pedro, you're going to get help. You got Billy Hamilton. You got Alex Colome. You got like, you're like, and like, so I understand the game and uh, trust me, I'm, I go to bed sometimes, man. And I'm like, man, we dodged that bullet because I know that I would be a very miserable human being because if you're like, you're in the middle of a fight and they get, they basically send this guy to go fight a war and give him water pistols. So he's just grinding it out with his guy. He did like, oh yeah, we're going to go out there and you get like, there's, when you look at other rosters and what other teams are doing and like what you're competing with, And what you decision, you're like, you always want them to give the person that you're rooting for the best chance. And looking at what they're giving him is like, man, like they're making moves, but are they the right moves? He's not in a situation that he can succeed a lot. So I'm not rooting against Pedro. Like, I hope that he does a good job because Pedro wasn't given the San Diego Padres and and said, go get him, Pedro. And then Pedro's going to fail with a great team. It's like, is this team this great? Okay, is this team yeah. this team win 90 games? That's where I'm at. So I think I thought that that article was BS and that's why I wanted to
2: share it. Yeah, a lot of BS. A lot of BS. It, though. it works. It works. I clicked it. Did you see uh did you see the question that I put underneath uh your dad gonna be on the foul territory TV tomorrow? What did he
0: call Alex Thomas?
2: Yes. It was. It,
0: it's a good question. I, he'll probably say something around Spider Man, but he did used to call him a little shit. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: All right. Okay. And this is the part hopefully, of the show that we are going on. over the upcoming week in Southside Daily. 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 this is Southside Daily. We got two more games Wednesday, Thursday versus the Twins. Tomorrow's matchup, Dylan sees versus Varland. I know Junior's looking at the uh the betting for tomorrow. We'll knock the betting out right away here. Um with Dylan Sees, I'm feeling good about this, Junior. What uh what's it looking like right now?
0: I think that Cease uh should get the victory and that should be the first White Sox victory.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know what? And then the next game on Thursday is Gio versus Lopez. So I'm actually feeling—I'm feeling like this is going to be that first series. Like you said, they're—they're going to win. They're going to win it, and they might sweep. And that is kind of shocking for me to say because tonight was a big game. You dropped that game, and I'm not saying they're going to sweep. They're going to win a game at all. In fact, you stole that first game, and you got your boy, our boy Dylan Cease on the mound. You can very likely win two. Toughest games that third game with Gio and Lopez and with how Gio has been pitching lately, he's been doing good. And uh, he's going to have to have his best performance versus their guy in Lopez. So, but I I think they can squeak one versus Lopez. And um, then they're on the road Friday through Sunday. It's going to be Lance Lynn versus Hunter Green. Saturday, it's going to be Clevenger versus Ludolo. Who's the lefty rookie? He's that kid is something special, um, the lefty, Ludolo. But then um, game three on Sunday on the road is going to be kopek versus Weaver. You guys, what do you guys feel like on that road trip in Cincinnati?
2: Uh, well, if you, if you look at what Cincinnati's doing, they're starting off fresh. You got, they're getting contributions from guys like Spencer Steer, uh you know jonathan india has been carrying the team so we're gonna we're gonna play uh a series against a lot of youth so i think it'll be a great opportunity for us to establish get back to the fundamentals let's just go back to playing clean baseball we're we're in a series with minnesota right now to where we're gonna have to slug a little bit let's just be honest here uh even a day to like tomorrow with dylan Cease is going um you still got to be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So it's an interesting thing when you're playing two contrasting teams, you got to prepare for the home run one week, next week you want to get back to the ground rules. So uh, I just want to see like, this is a flexible and uh, uh, not more, not a flexible, but you got to see Pedro's willing to be flexible when managing against these two different teams.
1: Yeah. And I feel like they're going to take two of three in Cincinnati. Um, and then on Monday's game, also on the road, is the opening series versus the Royals. And that matchup, Junior, is going to be Dylan C's versus old veteran and Zach Granke. So uh, at the end of the day here, C's got two starts. I can see him going at least two and three, Minnesota, two and three on the road, and then winning that first game of the series versus Kansas City. Uh, What's your thoughts, uh, Junior? I
0: think 14 and 23. I think they can definitely go 5-2 and on the road. Um, 5-2 and because they're facing really uh, two teams that I don't think that they're at the caliber that the White Sox are in. Um, We got T.A. coming back already. Going to have a couple games under his belt. Uh, I don't think – I think a lot of bad things have happened to Pedro Graffal. I don't see Pedro dropping his first head-to-head versus his old – Kansas City Royals team. Um, so I, I got them at five and twenty-two. That would put him at a 14 and 23 record for after this week. But um, I, I think I think Cease gets some gets him back on track. Uh, I think he'd be a great pick for you know for pick the click because obviously I think those two games are winnable for him and he gets himself back on track with those two wins, uh, which again start of the week and end the week. Um, but again, this is where they this is that gut check part, man. Right now, they're not only playing for the record, but they're playing to keep stay to keep that team together. Uh, so, if those guys are really close to the say they are, you're basically playing for a lot of those guys to stay in that Sox uniform. Because if you go in and you have a horrible series against uh, against the Reds, and then you go in and get spanked by by the Kansas City in Game One, again, you go back to what the the horrendous stuff that were they were facing in last week. They finally won two games in a row. They're now looking to win uh, a series. So it's a, it's a week where they they need to.
2: Build up on that and not regress.
1: Yeah, no, yep, I agree with you, Jay. Yeah, we. Um, and
2: yeah, I was gonna say we're in a division to where we don't have to play 800 baseball to get back into the race. Everything is a little bit tight, tightly packed in America American League Central. So, uh, like I said, if I'm Pedro Grafal, I'm trying to figure out ways to get these guys back to playing at least consistent baseball. That is the only way we're going to survive. Like uh, me and King Mac, we joke about it all the time. Frank Minichino wasn't the problem. that He was bringing a sustainable formula to the table just so we can consistently score runs uh, as often as possible in as many different ways as possible. So we can, like uh, Cincinnati, it doesn't have to be the two-run double or anything. Maybe it's the productive RBI ground down with a guy on third with less than one out, like we seen, you know, even TA couldn't get it done today in, uh, in extras, but there's still a lot of baseball left to work on it. And maybe it starts with handling two out of three in Cincinnati.
1: Guys, this could be the first time they went back, not only back to back games, this could be the first, <laughs> at this point of the season, they went back to back series at this point coming up here. Um, that kind of gets me excited if things go as I feel like they will, Jay, guess what we gotta do now, man? It's that time of the show. Picks to click. Let's go. Oh my god. This not is pick loser. to click. Justin hasn't won at all yet, and Slav wins baby this baby week. baby Pedro? Yeah, whatever.
2: I'm going to start picking Red Sox players. How about
1: that? Hey,
2: you
0: lose her twice again, too. It's Actually, not- are above 500.
2: Those are above 500.
1: And Slav wins with this pick of Andrew Vaughn, who went seven for 21 since we last aired. And he had three runs, two home runs, four ribbies. Slav wins it. And with Slav's pick to click for this week, he's going with the guy. He's going with the guy off the DL, and that is Tim Anderson. He is picking TA, and that's who he's rolling with, who went over four today. So hopefully, uh yeah, hopefully he turns around. Um Slav does is tied with me with two wins to lead us at the moment. It's two, two, one for junior and zero for Justin. The order after Slav is gonna be me, Junior, and then Justin because, yes, Burger, Burger had, Burger like... actually way? had better, Burger actually had better stats than Vaughn, but I gave it to Vaughn for the walk off. Got it. So, obviously, Kopech did better than Cease, so that's how it follows you or after me. Um, so yeah, go Slav, me, Junior, and then Justin. Um, so I went TA. I'm going to go with Dylan Cease with the two starts this week. And then you're up, Junior.
2: Wow.
0: So we can pick Andrew Vaughn because he obviously, uh, won it. Uh, yep. we went TA, we went Cease. Man, who am I going to go with, uh, You know what? I haven't picked them the whole year. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Burger. I'm going
3: to go with the Burger. Mm. The Burger-Nater. I like it. Uh,
2: Dad Power. I think I'm going to go Gavin Sheets. Billy Hamilton's available. I'm picking Gavin Sheets. I'm Uh, picking Larry Son, Give me about two home runs this week.
1: And chat this is the picks for this week. It's going to go Slav, T.A. I'm picking Dylan Cease with the two starts this week. Versus, um, he's got – well, tomorrow he goes with Minnesota. Then he's got the second start versus Kansas City in that first uh, game of the series. And then Junior is going with uh, Berger. And then Jay is rolling with Gavin Sheets, who's going to get his fair share of reps in right field. Um Gentlemen, um, how are we feeling um, with any concluding thoughts? I know, Junior, we didn't get to ask you about colos, but uh, was that the right decision in sending him down? Or, uh, I don't see why not.
0: I don't see why not. You're not saving him. Uh, he's not playing well. I think that I wish that would have been him and to sent a message, but I know what they mean. But he's going to find himself. Again, Bailey's is not easy, man. Bailey's is not easy, but now they gotta make sure when they bring him up that, that it's that it's for for hopefully for the last time they send him down. And then he's really working on something down there. So uh, but it was the right move. Again, they needed to shake something up. They were on a 10-game losing streak. He's probably the guy was with most options, so why not him?
1: Yep. And there were in case anyone didn't realize that there were 11 roster moves made today, and uh we're seeing some familiar faces with Kyle May coming back, so this is not it, guys. You have Liam Hendricks and Garrett Crochet coming back momentarily within the month of May, likely. So another two moves to be made in that roster. So um, things are looking up here. They just want back-to-back games. Uh, Junior's dad's losing articles of clothing at the moment, and we'll see if that continues tomorrow. Two, and two uh, Yep, two articles. We'll see uh, if that continues tomorrow. And um, we had on Kenneth Davis from the Under Center podcast. And we talked a
2: lot of Bears tonight, too.
1: We talked too much Bears tonight. But mm-hmm. for all the good reasons, we talked more Bears and Sox with how that draft went. But if you missed it, we talked about Cease and the sale controversy um, to begin the show. And uh, from there, we went on through the rest with Kerfals' decisions from the past week. Again, we talked draft. We gave you the upcoming preview of the week, and we made our picks. Gentlemen, that's going to be a wrap for tonight. Everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Blackout Show. And brought to you by Gonzo, Justin Lee, and my partner on my side. Ozzie Guillen Jr., always giving us the best knowledge around for this game of baseball. Thank you for tuning in to the Blackout Show.